good y'all welcome back to the onyx report yeah where we as black male justice advocates use critical analysis to uplift black boys and men hope y'all are well hope everything is going all right with you it's been an interesting week so far not too much stuff going on there we go yeah last day of teaching for the semester was yesterday so whew. Just a little, a little burned out. Just a little, a little burned out. So y'all, I appreciate the patience y'all have had sticking with me while I'm trying to work through this. Uh, tonight we are broadcasting, of course, on YouTube. We're also broadcasting on innerlightradio.com. Shout out to them. Support the Interlight Radio. If you haven't had a chance to, go check it out. Right. We're also on Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, Twitch, and Twitter. So. We're a little, we're a few places tonight trying to get one in on something that I hope uh, to get some comments and some interaction with y'all uh, a little bit later on. Shout out to I'm listening. What's up, Ian? Good to see you in here. Um, got Aaron, Ronan, what's good? Pragmatic, Greg, you know what I'm saying? Conscious Observer, Ron, Cleveland, Jay Cleveland, what's happening? We got Ollie, we got BEZ, you know. Uh, let me see what he had a soul. <laughs> Muada, what's good? What's good with you, man? I hope you're well. Chance, Joshua, we got a number of people in the building. Busy Mike, Officer Faulkner, what's good? Yeah, Clarence, Let's see what's going on here. Melissa G, what's up? We got Clarence uh, again, Lewis, Child of Light. Hey, Rue, D. Scott, what's good with y'all? Hope y'all are good. Uh, before we get into anything too serious, y'all see I got the swords out, which I haven't done in a while. Um, you know what I'm saying? I am still a collector, and I mainly did it uh, to celebrate the acquisition of a new piece. But y'all let me know if you want me to keep the swords out a little more often. It's all good with you. Uh, what's up, Will? But I got a new piece, and I had to share it because it literally just came like... Five minutes before I hit the button. So hope y'all will join me in welcoming, you know, that peace from God of War. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm digging that. I'm digging that. Yeah, fresh out the box. I don't even know where I'm gonna hang it yet. I see you, Jay Cleveland. You ain't right for that. <laughs> but yeah, had to go ahead and get it. Had to get it. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Wait till artisans see that joint. <laughs> anyway, had to celebrate it. Got to figure out where I'm going to hang it, but had to get that one in. So I hope y'all 
appreciate the little collection still growing even though i hadn't actually planned on it it's just some things i can't stop doing anyway he said hang it on your back huh hey Ru? <laughs> yeah go throw it across the yard and have my son go get it boy return my axe boy <laughs> i'm loving it i'm not even a gamer i just like that shit god of war is tight i just watch the clips i don't even game i just like watching the clips on youtube i would watch it as an animated movie i don't want to spend two hours trying to figure out how to beat a boss i just want to watch the shit because <laughs> i think it's just ridiculous you know but anyway it's all good so hope you guys if you have any other suggestions or if you got something in your collection you want to share hit me up let me know um so yeah i just wanted to get some of the positive in there before i jump into some of this serious stuff one of the things uh, i do have to start with is you know just some basic housekeeping so you know you know what it is with the onyx report please make sure you support the show like share subscribe join and donate support the channel if you will so we can continue to bring you this independent black male thought you see uh, on the screen how to do that. We got a number of different options for you, right? So you guys can see the Venmo, the PayPal. You got the Cash App link right there. You got the Patreon where you can support the show. Um, become a member on YouTube uh, and, and take advantage of the different perks. Or go to Patreon. You can support the Onyx Report right here on, uh, on YouTube. You can also support the Institute for Black Male Studies buy merchandise of course i hope you just saw the commercial for that or um you can support the channel the onyx network right which you can download on your iphone or your android amazon fire tv roku or you can go to my website tsonjohnson.com click media go to the website directly and watch it live online so support the show however way you so choose uh because some of this, you know, this is this is a good amount of work, and it, it's only the content creators really know how much work goes into this, especially when you got a whole bunch of other stuff going on. So, anyway, yeah, I agree. We do need a God of War movie. That shit would be dope. I hear he's supposed to go to Egypt next, but I've been hearing that for a minute, so we'll see. Uh, but anyway, number of people in the building, Great I Nine. What's going on with you? Right. So, first thing. I need to do uh, I did this on Facebook but I wanted to do it in a larger format as well just really out of pure gratitude um, and I'll show you what I mean in a minute uh, shout out to we need to talk what's good with you man hope you well I see your channel still growing thanks for the support y'all check out we need to talk still doing this thing over there uh, let me see so I gotta shout somebody out this is uh, an elder uh, who's a mentor of mine uh, of sorts. Um, when I started school, I started college in 1992, and I went to Cal State Dominguez Hills uh, right next to Compton in L.A. And, you know, when I got there, snot-nosed 17-year-old kid, didn't know one thing from another, you know. Um, and it definitely took a village, definitely took a village. There was a, a, a number of people on the campus that just made it to where, you know, we, we could get by until we learned how. Right. And this was one of them. This is Miss Frances Perry Lee. And Frances worked in financial aid at the time. That's how I knew her. And she was one of the people, one of the main people who would call us and tell us, 
you know, come down to her office and she would make you fill out whatever form you needed right then in front, right there in front of her because she knew you wouldn't do it otherwise. And she was right. I wouldn't have. And that was, you know, primarily the way I got through <laughs> much of the time. Uh, she'd even call and be like, you know, you got a check been sitting here for three months and I'm over there eating potato chips and, you know, cereal, just trying to get through every day. So, you know, she looked out for us in that respect. And then I got to know her afterwards. Um, very deep lady studied esoteric spirituality. We used to have long conversations about that. And she was just one of those people I stayed in contact with. Um, shout out to Art Neustel. Neustel got hold of me a few weeks ago and he said, I'm in the hospital visiting a friend. And she says she knows you. And he put Francis on the phone. And I had a chance to talk to her. I hadn't talked to her in a little minute. You know, we hadn't lost touch. We just, you know, run different directions. And it turned out she was suffering from stage four cancer. And I got a notification a couple of days ago that she had passed, you know, literally just a couple of days ago. And I didn't, I didn't think, uh, you know, and I should have, it, it was really obvious, but I didn't think it was that close, you know? So shout out to Miss Francis Perry Lee. Um, one of the good people that made sure that brothers were able to get through, um, when we didn't know how to do it, you know, just sheltering us, getting us through to the next point. And because of her, a number of us are here, right? But the other lesson, the other thing I want to draw out of this for all of us is not to take any of this shit for granted. You know what I'm saying? Give people their flowers while they're here because you really don't know when the last conversation is the last conversation. You know what I mean? But she was at peace. She was in good spirits. She was cracking jokes. She didn't sound like she was in pain. You know, she was just really just being herself. And a couple weeks later, she was gone. So, you know, shout out to Francis. Much respect. Much love. Much appreciation. You know, I just wanted to get that out because I wanted to really extend. Extend how much I appreciate what she did. She didn't have to. There were a lot of people I can say. That I met at that time that really stepped out for us and didn't have to. I talked to you about Miss Ball, I think, in the last show who was actually getting black males admitted with a one-page document. Um, mostly br brothers that didn't know what they were planning to do when they finished high school. You know, shout out to her. And of course, my mentor at Dominguez, Dr. William Little. Um, I didn't meet him till like my third year, but he was the first teacher I'd ever had that not only thought I had potential, but invested in it. You know, kind of took me by the scruff of my neck. And, you know, he was like, what are you planning to do? And my senior year, I was like, I'm planning to go to UPS. He said, nah. He said, you need to go to grad school. And a couple months later, I was on a plane going to grad school. And it was really because of him. He put a foot in my ass. And that's the work we got to do for those that cross our paths that we know have potential and know that need the guidance. You can't get it anywhere else. So shout out to those people who have done that work. Um you know, and, and they're, they're, they're leaving, they're transitioning. Most of the people I'm thinking of four or five people at Dominguez, most particularly, um, four out of five of them are gone. You know what I mean? So again, extend your flowers to those who deserve them while they are still here to receive them. You know, uh, so let me backtrack a little bit. Shout out to, uh, Rohan. Appreciate the support. Um, you know, shout out to Clarence. 
And it says, let's support our beloved Doc. Get the lights up. Thank you, Doc. Your labors uh, uh, for us is truly appreciated. Much appreciation, man. Thank you. Um, is what it is. Shout out, Gold Professor. I see you in there. Yeah. So, um, man. Man. It is what it is. But tonight, I don't know if you had a chance to see the thumbnail, right? But basically, pay more attention when black men check out. Um, number of things going on today that I think black men have been the canary in the mines on for quite a while. I think people overlook it. They don't really see it. They don't pay attention. And it doesn't become popular until white society starts to catch wind of it. Right. So we're going to start with this piece, New York Post. Right. And it is uh, entitled, sorry, ladies, the number of young men who want kids is on the decline. Right? Some of you have seen this. I know a number of people have asked me to comment on it. Uh, very interesting post. We're going to look at a few things in relation to it. and Have a bit of a dialogue on what this is. Right? So starts out. Uh, America has some serious daddy issues. Number of young men who are interested in having kids is on the decline according to new research published in the Journal of Marriage and Family. Studies author Robert Bozick collected data from three different sources, the National Survey of Family Growth, Panel Study of Income Dynamics, and a study called Monitoring the Future, looking at more than 40,000 young American men over two decades. According to one of the data sets, the number of male high school seniors who say they never want kids has more than tripled since 2000 and 2019. More broadly, men's desire to have kids has significantly declined between 2012 and 2018. Percentage of childless men ages 15 to 49 responding that they did not not want children doubled from 9.9% to 20.2%. In addition, the number of men concerned with parental leave policies when evaluating jobs decreased from 2005 to 2015. Now that's serious, right? We're talking about societal decline. And the funny thing about it is most of the time when you find these articles, they're far more concerned with women's unhappiness with not being able to find willing sperm donors and potential husbands than they are why men are withdrawing. Now, black men have actually begun this process back in 1965. You look at the marriage rates, it's in the 60s that it began to decline for black men. We are the canaries in the coal mine. But much of the time, people ignore it, you know. People ignore what's going on until it hits them. So we got a good, you know, six decades on everybody else in regard to a number of these issues. But, you know, you can see who they're fixating on now. Shout out to Wrench Turner. What's good with you, man? Appreciate that support. Artisan, you missed it, man. You're going to have to rewind and check it out. Uh, But I I, I hope you're well, good brother. Reynolds, what's up? All right. Um, AB, what's happening? Okay. So a growing share of childless men do not want children and increasingly a lack of children would not bother them at all. Bozik writes in the study, though he he goes on to note that the majority of men still say they want to have kids. Interesting. Bozik associated the findings with broader socioeconomic shifts in the country. We've seen stagnating rates of labor force participation. We've seen young men being outpaced by young women in terms of college enrollment and completion. And more recently, we've seen a spike in young men living at home with parents, he told the Post. We've seen a slower transition to adulthood brought on by changes in the broader economy. 
right? See there? We got a brother in here. What's up, Growth Talk with Kofa? What's going on? Um, let me see here. And then he starts to give some examples here. Uh, Gabriel Wilson, 24, lives in Atlanta. Realized he didn't want to have kids after he graduated from college, and he took a job working in a restaurant while pursuing his career as a freelance writer. He dreams of writing a novel and is reluctant to sideline his work for fatherhood. His girlfriend also doesn't want kids, and it goes from there. The next piece, which corroborates some of this, side post, new study identifies an increasing disinterest in fatherhood among childless men. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one because it's covering a lot of the same information, but I did want to highlight at least this paragraph here that I thought was of interest. Right? It says, uh, again, they're talking about Robert Bozick, um, author of the study, right? Utilizing data from 18,183 American men, National Survey of Family Growth. See, and I, I wanted to show you this because I got into a debate a couple months ago with somebody on another person's show and they wanted to come up and they actually misrepresented one of the stats that I quoted in terms of the number of people referenced to produce the stat. They tried to downplay it you know, significantly. And this is a tactic that people will use in debates when words are flying, you got a timer going, you got a host that's trying to, you know, monitor what's going on. You only get so much time to get in so much. You'll have tactics like this where people will try to debunk what you're saying by making up the numbers of, of, of subjects in a study to denounce or downplay what it is you're saying. So I just wanted to show you this so you can know the scale of this study we're talking about. Right. 18,183 American men from the National Survey of Family Growth, which included questions about if participants see themselves having children in the future and how much it would bother them if they never had children. Monitoring uh, the future study focused on high school seniors and asked them what number children they would have and how likely they were to want children. Panel, the panel study of income dynamics transition to adulthood supplement examined men age 18 to 28. Bozik used data from six waves asking about the importance of family leave as an aspect of their job for participants. So just to give you a sense of scale, but let's go to the study itself. This is the Journal of Marriage and Family. This is the actual study, uh, an increasing disinterest in fatherhood among childless men in the United States, a brief report. This came out July 30th of this year. So this is fresh, this is brand new data. We're gonna scroll down to some of the relevant charts. Kind of dig through some of this a little bit. See if I can enlarge this. Some of you. We can see what exactly we're looking at. Too large. There we go. AKs and curtains, what's going on? See you in there. All right. Y'all donate to the support this uh, to the show, support what we're doing. All right. Um uh, let's see here. All right, let's go with that one. So figure, let's go here. Figure one, we have percentage of childless men age 15 to 49 who do not want children at any time. And there you go, right? So you can see the numbers from 2006 all the way up to 2019, right? The percentage of men 15 to 49, right? So my son is 17, I'm 48. We got this in our very household. And I can tell you when I say things to him about like having kids in the future, he gives me a very blank expression. And he said it a couple times, a couple times where he's not real sure if he wants to have kids, which is not necessarily something I want to hear, but I understand. 
And we'll talk about a few of those reasons why soon. What's up, Spain, man? Right. So there you can see the chart there. By the time you get to 2018 so far, see some of the highest numbers. All right. Let's continue. So we got figure two percentage of childless men age 18, 15 to 49 who would not be bothered at all if they did not have children. Right, so up to 35, a little over 35 percent, fairly significant. Right, would not be bothered at all. Right, here we go again. Figure three percentage of male high school seniors who want to have zero children. Right, so that's just uh, around six percent. That's pretty significant, though, when you think about you know people that age, start talking about 17 and 18 years old, they're already starting to pull back. Right. Whiskers indicate 95% confidence intervals. What's up, Chef Mike? Good to see you in here. What's up, GC? Greg, what's going on? Right. Figure four, percentage of childless male high school seniors who are very likely or very unlikely to have children. Those numbers down here, very unlikely to want to have children roughly around 5%, right? Those who want to have children much higher. This is looking at male high school seniors who are very likely or very unlikely to have children. We go here, figure five, percentage of childless men 18 to 24 for whom it is very important or not at all important to have a job with a good parental leave policy. <laughs> not important. So you see it uh, kind of mustering at the bottom. All right, so let me see. There was another section. So some of those numbers kind of fluctuate a bit. But this is one of the core questions I wanted to get to right here. So the descriptive trends documented in this brief report clearly show that childless men are increasingly shying away from fatherhood. But the question remains, why? Without directly addressing this question, the contemporary research landscape of family formation and family planning is incomplete. Now that's important. It's incomplete, right? But part of the problem is nobody really wants to ask men why. I think part of the fear is that it's going to lead to this space in social media that you got a lot of people that are afraid of and they don't want publicized. I remember how freaked out people were when they talked about how many young men across race were listening to people like Andrew Tate, right? So I think part of the fear is that if they really begin to engage more men about their apprehension in family formation and their apprehension in participating in family formation, that it'll lead back to people like Tate or uh, Kevin Samuels or, you know, so on and so forth. I think that's part of the fear that the voices of men might further kind of push this narrative beyond what folks are already comfortable with dealing with. And it'll verbalize and make public even more so some of the things that have been said. This is why there's so many articles that when they do kind of tip into this, they talk about it from women's standpoint. Appreciate that support, Ray. Thank you. Right. And what do I mean? Well, here's another example. This is an example of, of really another one of these kind of moments where they could actually ask men, but instead they fixate on women's feelings, experiences, difficulties, so on and so forth. You guys have seen this. I've seen plenty of people talking about it in the last month or so. 
especially uh, since October, where it came out October 20th. This is the Washington Post. America has a black sperm donor shortage. Black women are paying the price. Black men account for fewer than 2% of sperm donors at cryobanks. Their vials are gone in minutes. Interesting. So notice that. Notice that. And I'm not going to read through this whole piece. This is really, really what I want to get to. Because all they really do in this piece or what they spend a lot of time doing is trying to get to, you know, get you to personalize with the individual women who are frustrated about not having it. But they don't actually talk to the men. Appreciate the support, AKs and Curtains. Thank you. What's up, Mark? Good to see you in here. All right. Well, let's look at this. So America's black sperm donor shortage. Number of sperm donors by race at the four leading U.S. sperm banks, banks as of October 11th. All right. So we got white at 391. Asian, 262, Hispanic at 54, other, whatever the hell that is, at 47, black at 12, right? And immediately what they talk about is the severe shortage is forcing black women who need donor sperm into a painful choice. Choose a donor of another race and raise a biracial child or try to buy sperm from unregulated apps and online groups. Of course, there is the old school method of seduce a man, get him drunk, or, you know, go to a wild party and do it that way. And that's sad to say, still something that is effective, but it's not particularly surprising because I don't think black men have ever really been told how valuable they are on a number of different fronts. I think it's something that black men are just now starting to find out in the wider world market that they actually have something to offer that people find valuable, women in particular, but that's not how we're socialized. We're socialized, if anything, to believe that, uh, how do I put this? To believe that we should be tolerated, right? The idea being that, you know, if we're good men, you know, you might find a partner in the black community, a, a, a spouse, a lover, a woman, whatever the nature of the relationship you want to have. And, you know, she pretty much has to settle for you. I mean, you're lucky to have her. You're, you're kind of, you know, she deigns to, to accept you, even if you're the primary breadwinner, even if, you know, you're supporting her, it doesn't really matter. No matter what the narrative is, what's presented to black men, uh, particularly from a young age, is that you're lucky if someone tolerates your existence, particularly in a relationship. So you don't grow up with a sense of value. You don't grow up with a sense of um, worth. This is why I think the conversations in the last decade in certain spaces about this whole question of sexual marketplace value has been so mind blowing for so many black men. Because we didn't know that we had value. That's not something we were told, right? So when you get to something like this, even though it's dealing with sperm, it's not necessarily talking about what men bring to the relationships, what men do to support women. It's not even dealing with the nuance of all of that. It's dealing with sperm. Never really something we, we were told, you know, was a value, right? And yet when articles like this come around, for many, it smacks you in the face because you realize that, yeah, you actually do have value in a, in a variety of ways and on a variety of levels. And despite that many of us were never taught we had value, at some point, you actually have to step back and recognize the worth of what you bring to the table. And in this context, we're talking about your seed. How careful are you with it? 
I mean, I can tell you, especially since a young man, that I am very, it's nothing but grace. That's for the reason I'm here. Hell, it's nothing but grace that I actually made it uh, out of high school. You know, as Eddie Murphy once said, I done thrown my my Johnson on the table many a night, you know, uh, on a lot of levels. And if I had 10 kids right about now, I wouldn't have much to say. Just, you know, but again, I wasn't told that I had value, really. If anything, the whole question of pregnancy, you know, you were scared out of. And I was so thoroughly scared of it that by the time I was married, I was still scared to get my wife pregnant. It, it, It took a while before it dawned on me that I was actually married. And I could therefore do it. But that's how deep that was. You know, it was just a fear about pregnancy. And that was something that I think really didn't kick in to the full extent that it did until you got to Gen X. But at the end of the day, it wasn't rooted in any sense of value. And I think when you get to articles like this, it's something that we actually have to come to grips with. And this is a new transition for many black men. And we're being shamed about it. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of people who take issue with the fact that men across race, but especially black men have deigned to reflect on their own value, right? It's not something we were told we should or could do, and we are. And hopefully it has a positive impact. It doesn't need to make anybody arrogant or overbearing, but simply to know that you're sought after and you have something of value on a variety of levels. Again, it's not limited to sperm, but I am using this article to make a point we're looking at is when we start having these conversations about men withdrawing from wanting to have kids, from wanting to marry, we start to really reflect on what this withdrawal, this social withdrawal means. How many people want to have a real conversation? That's a question that I'm really curious about. But at the end of the day, when you look at these media sources, they don't ask why. This whole article isn't framed around, around why black men are withdrawing what the issues are, whether they're issues that pertain to black men's freedom, their economic well-being, their access to employment, their access to housing. Nah, we're really just going to fixate on how upset black women are because they can't have black babies. That's it. And we've seen this on a number of fronts. We've seen this on the relationship front, right? The whole question of, you know, why black men are withdrawing from certain types of relationships. Nah, that's not relevant. We're just going to focus on the women that are upset that they don't have them. And I'm not even throwing shade at the women. I'm throwing shade at the media industry, the news industry, about how it can downplay the value of men and what they bring to a society. And no one cares. And often you have to actually challenge men to actually give a damn about themselves. Because again, we're so deeply socialized not to care. We will argue with each other about whether or not we should and fight each other down about it. But at the end of the day, when you get down to brass tacks, there is a need, and there is a value. Whether you acknowledge it or not, it needs to be accounted for. So at the end of the day, we have to be able to have these conversations in real time, right? But I do think there are a couple answers to the question as to why they refuse to ask men, right? Why black men are withdrawing socially and what the issues are around that. And we're not even talking about SYSBM or Passport Bros. We actually have movements of men who are leaving. And understand, the movements of men who are talking about leaving, Dennis Sperling made an excellent point, I want to say about a week ago, 
you know, because one of the shaming tactics I've heard men receive is, well, you guys are throwing it in people's faces that you're leaving. No, actually, black men have been talking to each other about it. Others have worked their way into the spaces where men are having these conversations, injected themselves into it and use shaming tactics against men who have talked about social withdrawal. But men, by and large, are really talking to each other. But here's the second thing. The fact that there's a conversation about what I'm calling social withdrawal is fairly new. But the fact that men are, are withdrawing is not really that new. I mean, I talked to you guys about this a while ago, about this whole question of, of, the, of the, you know, the manosphere. And I keep trying to tell people the manosphere is the tip of the spear. It's, it's not controlling what men think. It's explaining what a population of men think. But it's been going on for a while. I knew brothers back in the late 1980s who were SYSBM or Passport Bros. And we didn't even, not only were those hashtags not in existence, Twitter wasn't, right? And those brothers were deep on that then. There was no word for it. There was no space to talk about it, but that's what they got to. And I know some of them brothers now who are in their 60s and they are still about it. And no, it's not about just going across overseas and looking for prostitutes. That's not what it is. Some of these brothers are in long-term relationships. Some of them are married. Hell, most of the brothers you see as content creators on YouTube are in long-term relationships. And when I talk to these brothers that are going to Brazil and Colombia and all these different places, some of them are talking about finding uh, pair bonds situations. Moving overseas. This is not an arbitrary conversation. This is actually quite significant. But because again, these are not the men that are necessarily representative of the total numbers. These are the men that are articulating something that, especially in the black community, has been going on for decades. And understand something. I'm talking about this also in relation to the hardcore black nationalists. I can't tell you how many nationalist professors and colleagues I've known over the last 30 years that are African wives, South American wives, Afro-Brazilian, Afro-Caribbean, you name it, Afro-Asian and they've gone to other countries to find them. But want to tell you that they don't know what's going on. Bullshit. I told you. I've had some mentors. I will not out them out of nothing but respect. But in one vein, they will sit in class and they will talk this mess. But in another vein, you get a beer in them, kick your feet up at late hours and have a deep conversation. You would think that they were on YouTube as content creators. You really would. 60, 70 year old men who've been teaching for decades, been through three or four marriages, been totally ripped apart in divorce court multiple times, had kids taken away from them, lack of access to them altogether, kids that hate their guts. And they are good men from the inside out, but couldn't have access to their kids for nothing. And by the time those kids got old enough to be on their own and access their own father, they didn't want to have nothing to do with them. And never actually ever interviewed him to find out his side of the story. Those stories are not limited to, you know, YouTube in the last five years. I've heard men tell them stories for 30, 40 years. And they've responded in the same ways. So the stuff we see online is only the, the, the manifestation, the outward manifestation of processes and practices that have gone on for years. Most particularly in the 70s and 80s. You had black men really start to open up in, in different areas, different realms, and explore different kinds of opportunities. But again, 
when we see these articles, they don't interview those men and those men have been around for decades. Not only do they not interview the ones now who are making noise talking about these issues, they don't even interview the ones from 30 years ago. They don't. They don't ask them why. Even the ones that are monk. And I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know that was a, there was a term for it. But I remember men, even when I was an undergrad, which at this point was 30 years ago, I remember grown ass men that were getting paid well, you know, had had very, you know, high level positions What they, when, and what they were doing. They were well-trained, well-degreed, well-accomplished monks. And when you ask them why it had nothing to do with an inability to meet women or woo a woman or they didn't have any game, it wasn't nothing that pedestrian, none of that. It was a choice after having a number of situations that were repetitively the same, where they were objectified as nothing but walking ATMs or worse yet, walking fallacies. And they got tired of it. They didn't feel like traveling to other countries to find adequate partners. So you know what they did? They worked. They enjoyed themselves and they checked the fuck out and nobody called to ask them why. And apparently that's still happening to this day. Nobody's called or interviewed these men to ask them why. Let me see. Incognito Negro says, uh, me let go. Oh, excuse me. I think that's Mr. Let go had a great one about black women are their own worst enemies and if black men are no longer victimized that self-hatred so be it huh? hey that's what's that's what's what's going on i mean you know black men have been saying there needs to be a redress of grievances for years doesn't seem like anybody cared to hear it uh world passport bro says we're going where we are appreciated okay uh tim howard shout out to and appreciate that support uh you know our world passport brother uh, shout out to Tim Howard. Appreciate the support. Says don't deal with women in Western feminist countries. Protect your yourself, black men. Get your passport and travel. Real talk. Chemistry and more. What's good with you? Appreciate the support. He says go three times. Oh, thank you for that. Yeah, man. Let me see. AK, appreciate that support. Yeah. So you know, this is what's going on. I'm in a weird stage right now where I'm about to be. You know what they call it an empty nester y'all know y'all know I, I talk about this a lot right my son is getting ready to go to college all of that yeah my biggest nightmare is is making a serious mistake and having to start that clock over again with a newborn i ain't doing it dude and there is a kind of social withdrawal that kind of comes with that when you reach a point where you've done your duty you've done your due diligence you've raised a child in the black community done your thing and if other people had their will they would start that clock over and would have no problem divorcing you taking you to court and having you sustain their lifestyle for another 18 years i can't tell you again how many grown men i've known who've who have who have brought a young child into adulthood and had to start that clock over again whether it was because they were being irresponsible or whether because they were manipulated into it Everything from poking holes in condoms to misrepresentations of birth, birth control on her part. Right? I've heard these stories for years, long before I had a framework to make sense of them. Even when I was in middle school, really. Golden Child, appreciate that support. Says, I just came back from Thailand, second time in three months. Damn. And I'm pretty much written American women off. It's not worth the hassle and emotional labor. Huh? 
Yeah. You know, it is what it is. That's where we are right now. And I've known brothers who've been doing this for the long uh, for a long time. And I just find it suspect that nobody actually wants to talk to these brothers. I would argue. So there's a couple of things that I think are at play as to why you have this social withdrawal happening, especially with black men. But it is happening with men on a larger level, and it's growing. Right. So I think the first part about it, um, despite that, you, you know, well, let me establish this first. There are actually a lot of men that want relationships. They do. They actually really do. In many ways, there's just not enough social incentive for them to have it. The costs tend to outweigh the benefits for too many men. I'm not saying that this is this this is how it has to stay. I'm simply saying that's what it is. It's not, it, it hasn't really mathematically worked out to be worth it for too many men. And if society wants to re-engineer that in some kind of way, shape, or form, at some point that has to come into question. That has to be examined. Men have to be interviewed, but that's not what's happening. So uh, from a social engineering standpoint, if the goal was to lessen the population, it's working because the cost is extensive, right? And we talk about that on, on, all the time on this show and on many others. The cost of participating in something like family production at a time when the economy is such, when men are treated in a very particular way. And I'll show you what I mean in a minute. So that's the first reason. There's not a lot of social incentive. The second reason I would point to is the lack of institutional support or protection for men. Without institutional support or protection, it really does come down to rolling the dice when you want to get into a serious relationship or have a child. You are rolling the dice as to what can actually happen. Well, let's look at one example. And again, this is something a number of people sent to me, right? This is the New York Post. School principal who killed himself at Disneyland wanted to end toxic marriage. You can see his picture right here on the right-hand side. Right? We got uh, about 580 people watching. Like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel. We can continue to bring you these kinds of reflections and conversations. I'm going to bring people up after I cover some of this information and you can hear directly from them where they stand on a lot of this. Appreciate that, Fred. Thank you for the support. So, uh, so this gentleman, yeah, this is some weird shit. She tattooed her eyeballs and they swole up. I, I thought somebody beat the hell out of her. Technically she beat herself up. That's a whole nother thing. You know, that's one of those rabbit hole moments that I fell down on, on online. Anyway, California school principal who jumped to his death at Disneyland after leaving a chilling suicide note decided to end his life because of a toxic relationship with his abusive wife, his daughter, said in a shocking new interview. Christopher Christensen, 51, who had been the principal of Huntington Beach, California elementary schools for 22 years, took the fatal leap Saturday, two days before he was doing court on child endangerment and battery charges. In an interview with the Daily Mail, 26-year-old Brittany Christensen, one of his three children from a previous marriage, claimed his current wife, Marlena, had been the abusive partner and accused her of te tearing up the family. Marlena has been very difficult in our family for about the last year, and we haven't had any contact with her, Brittany told the news outlet. I just now started regaining contact with Chris over the last two weeks, and it's been really great. He's been trying to figure out how to leave her, she said. In my opinion, it seems like this 
in his mind, was his way out of his relationship. Christensen had pleaded not guilty to the child endangerment charges after his November 15th arrest and was released on $10,000 bail. There he is right there. Apparently what happened is they had an argument. Right? And she called the police, claiming to feel threatened, even though he didn't lay hands on her. There was no physical contact from my understanding. She called the police. He was arrested. And because there were children in the house, it was deemed child endangerment. Now for a principal or any kind of teacher, most particularly, that looks real bad. His career is effectively over. And there are a lot of men that can tell you stories about how their careers are over, their lives are over, their reputations are destroyed simply on the basis of an accusation that doesn't even require evidence. No evidence required. That's a lot of power for someone to have, especially someone who might want to wield and flex that power just because she's upset with you. She disagrees with the decision you made. She doesn't like your attitude about something. She doesn't like whatever. That's a lot of power for one person to have over another. Now, we could argue that men have physical power over women, the average man over the average woman, but there are strong repercussions for putting your hands on somebody. What kind of repercussions are there for women who fabricate life-altering accusations arbitrarily? What kinds of checks and balances exist for that? How much evidence is required to destroy somebody's reputation, particularly a man in this Me Too era? In a lengthy Facebook note, he blamed the flawed legal system for upending his life and sought to play down his marital troubles with his wife, Marlena, saying the couple love and adore each other, adding that their relationship was amazing up until recently. He explained that they recently got into a heated argument in front of his stepdaughters, Caitlin and Cara, but, instead, ins but insisted that he had not hit, slap, or hurt his wife or the young women. Unfortunately, Marlena's anger got the best of her that night and she called the police which landed me in jail that night. Yes, me, a man who has never hit or harmed anyone in his life, he wrote. Brittany claimed Marlena, who had been married to Chris for three and a half years, had been abusive to our entire family for five years, adding that her account to law enforcement was riddled with lies. Right. So that's the daughter there with her dad, high school principal. The daughter also shared with the Daily Mail a series of text messages Marlena allegedly sent her after an argument in April. You're a horrible, disgusting excuse for a daughter and sister. Go find your dad. Play the hero. But it's me. He will be missing in the morning, Marlena reportedly wrote, according to the outlet. Brittany also alleged Marlena caused $6,000 worth of damage to her car after the argument during which her dad tried to split from his wife. The daughter said she filed a police report about the incident at her Costa Mesa home. It was unresolved because she didn't admit to anything, but we had footage from her doorbell camera leaving the house in the middle of the night and then coming to my apartment where my dad was staying for the night and taking his car. That's apparently uh, where Christopher jumped to his death at Disneyland, not seeing any way out. When we woke up, my dad's car was gone, parked at Marlena's house, and my car had been keyed on every panel, she said, adding the wife has shown a consistent pattern of manipulation and inappropriate behavior towards my family for some time now. Brittany said that despite her late father's comments about things being great in the marriage, their relationship in actuality has been toxic and wearing on both of them. 
grieving daughter added, in my opinion, it was a slow chipping away at my dad's soul. God damn it. A slow chipping away at my dad's soul. Damn. For much longer than just two weeks. And I wish at this stage she could have left my family alone. You know how many men reach out to me to tell me stories about their souls being chipped away by relationships with people that they can't get away from? Whether they're tied together through a child, through a marriage. Yeah, one of my first shows with attorney Dennis Sperling, he actually talked about how exactly to get away. It might be something you want to revisit if you're in that situation. But it can be extremely dangerous. And this is what I mean when I talk about the lack of institutional support or protection for men. You're caught between a rock and a hard place. You're being mistreated, but how you respond is often used against you. And if you don't know how to respond for too long, they can use it against you to such a degree where it can leave you sleeping at your daughter's house trying to get away from this shit. It's ridiculous. She's done a lot personally to my family recently, to myself, to my husband. So there's a lot going on in this that is very complicated. After Christensen's death, Marlena wrote on Facebook that none of you know the full story. I'm living in a nightmare and trying to grieve. There he is again. Administrator of the year. God damn. Right? Chris was the love of my life and I'm crushed at what happened. I didn't make him do this and it's not my fault. I'm not sick. I just know in my heart what's true. She wrote, Christensen spent Thanksgiving at his 85-year-old mother Karen's home but did not bring his wife. He seemed kind of depressed after he served me and the other son the Thanksgiving meal. He laid upstairs for an hour or two, not saying or doing anything. He seemed very depressed. But I didn't think he was thinking in terms of killing himself. I just couldn't believe it, Karen said, adding that she didn't think her son's relationship with Marlena was healthy. And there's the letter. Ghetto user. Appreciate that support. Thank you for that. Shout out to Great I-9. Uh, Great I-9 says, in every study on child protection and father uh, since 2010, uh, show that discrimination by investigators and family courts toward men prevails. Further men get in, uh, uh, indicated and charged with more felon felonies, I guess. Okay. Child of Light. Appreciate that support. He says a woman's tongue is more powerful than any weapon or man's fist. She can ruin you at a whim. Yeah. Especially if she's wearing you down over long periods of time. Because the only thing that ever makes the camera is if you react badly. Nobody asks what leads up to that. In fact, the assumption is that there's nothing that can justify a person snapping. But that's not how human beings work. Human beings snap if under enough ongoing pressure. But we can't have that conversation. So it falls in men's best interest to make sure you conduct yourself uh, accordingly. Record video when necessary. And get the hell out of Dodge when you know shit is getting real. If you find yourself in a position where you are losing control, leave. Leave. I'll tell you something I learned about myself a long time ago. Back when I was in elementary school playing Pop Warner football. I learned that I have a serious temper. Matter of fact, my temper is such that I will black out. Not that I pass out. I black out. Or at least I used to. I would black out, and by the time I would come to, other people would have to tell me what I did to somebody. I sent a couple kids to the hospital. 
through fifth through eighth grade, roughly in that time period. Very frustrated young man. Father wasn't around, was very, very pissed about my parents' divorce. They divorced when I was five. Had a lot of rage. But I soon discovered that that rage would take form. It was straight on some Bruce Banner Hulk stuff. I would pass out and or not pass out. I would black out. And then by the time I knew it, I'm sitting in the principal's office and the principal is telling me what I did. And I remembered none of it, which they always thought I was lying about, but I actually wasn't. I just didn't remember it. I just remember there'd be an ambulance. I'd hear the noise outside. I wouldn't know why. There'd be blood on me. Wouldn't know why. Wouldn't remember for nothing. Now, that's as a seven year, uh, seventh grader, sixth grader, you know, what happens when you're 30, 35, six foot two, 250 pounds? You can't afford to black out. You cannot afford the repercussions of what happens when you snap. And nobody's going to care that somebody's been actually trying to get you to snack for their own, snack for their own purposes. So leave, I implore you. If you're not around somebody reasonable and rational, rational that you can actually talk to, leave for your own well-being. Anyway, so let's read through some of this letter. Right, this is from Chris Christensen, December third. Right, the man who committed suicide. Apparently, if I remember correctly, his father worked at Disney. It wasn't. It might not have been completely an accident where he decided to commit suicide. Uh, shout out to Larry R. Says, I ran into a so-called passport bros in the military. Did you say beer? Real talk. Yeah. You get a beer in them, they start telling you stories. Long before Twitter existed. Say new. This is not new. <laughs> anyway, uh, let me see. So, I hate when people leave this earth with so many unanswered questions. So, I hope this provides some insight and perspective. This is my wife, Marlena. Yes, you heard me correctly. Most of you don't know this, but we privately married three and a half years ago. Marlena and I love and adore each other. And our relationship has been amazing up until recently. Unfortunately, two weeks ago, she and I got into a heated argument at home in front of the girls. Tempers were flared and strong words were exchanged between us. However, never in this exchange did I hit, slap or hurt Marlena in any manner, nor did I ever touch the girls. I never have and never will. I love the girls like my own, and they know that, as does everyone else who truly knows me. Unfortunately, Marlena's anger got the best of her that night, and she called the police, which landed me in jail that night. Yes, me, a man who has never hit or harmed anyone in his life. I think it's safe to say Marlena truly regrets making that call because the events of that night have completely unraveled both of our lives. I'm on the brink of losing my job as I am out on administrative leave until my case is resolved, right, in quotes. However, the legal system is extremely flawed, especially against men and fathers. And it's sickening how quickly and easily an innocent man can be thrown in jail based on zero evidence or proof. In fact, take a look at the attached screenshots of Marlena's message to my friend about the matter. She too had no intention on having that night come this far. She knows I would never hurt her or the girls as she too has been trying to clear my name with little success. Again, legal system is deeply flawed to say the least. So here I am writing my final FB post to all of you. I need you all to know that a gentle, kind, loving and sincerely good man has been destroyed by one unfortunate night. It really is unfortunate. This is not me. This is not something that I ever thought would happen to me. With all of this said, I truly loved educating and leading thousands of students and families as a principal in FVSD for the past 21 years. 
I've made so many wonderful connections with families over the years, and those who know me closely know how much I cared for my students, staff, and families. Please remember me for all the good I brought to the world of education. To all my musician friends, thank you. Thank you for performing with me over the past 30 years. We have been a, uh, we've had a blast performing all over and creating such fond memories together. Music has been such a wonderful outlet to, for me as it has allowed me to have a different and creative world outside of my day job as a principal. I'm sad to say that last night was my final performance. However, it went very well and I'm proud that my final performance was a success. I've always loved performing, especially during the holiday season. I'm going to miss it dearly. There's so much more I wanna say, but I'm going to spend the rest of today reaching out to those closest to me to let them know how much I love them. This is not an ideal way to go out, but at least I get a chance to say some final words to those who I love and adore. Take care, everyone. Please, please, please be kind to one another. Treat each other with kindness and grace. There's too much anger in the world and people need to start treating each other better. What I've shared with you above is a prime example of how anger can really have long lasting and extremely damaging effects on a person's life. Damn. Damn. Now I do have to say that as we are heading into the uh, winter holidays, y'all know the deal. This is the season where we tend to see the highest numbers of suicide. You know, a lot of people really start to experience isolation to uh, an unprecedented degree uh, at this time of the year. And I implore you to try and connect with people, to stay connected, to make sure you don't disappear. Make sure you're not too uh, socially isolated. I know I put this out on a regular basis. Make sure that if you need support, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-TALK. Right? If you're at this point, you know, you can call this number. You can also reach out to those that love you, those that support you. And I, I would implore you to do so before you go here. But I can tell you, I do understand. I do understand how easily it, it, it can be done. I, I understand how much it can feel like a solution to all of those problems. I urge you not to do that. And don't let the season in and of itself lie to you and give you the suggestion that this is all life will ever be. One thing I will say about brothers who are going overseas, I don't care where you go to find your peace. I care that you try to find it and you don't stop trying. That's really, really what I care about. I don't care if you go monk. I don't care if you have 10 relationships. I don't care if you go overseas. I don't care what you do long as you ain't hurting anybody to find whatever joy you need because life doesn't have to stay this way and if there's anything con consistent about life it's change the shit doesn't stay the same don't let it lie to you reach out if you need help I don't want to see anybody leave before they need to let nature determine that but this man was in that much pain Imagine the people he called who had no idea he was getting ready to delete himself, thinking he was just calling to say hello and he was calling to say goodbye. Right? But I would argue that all of these articles that we look at every day that highlight 
all of these various issues, but refuse to ask men where they stand on it, contribute to this shit. They contribute to men offing themselves, feeling completely isolated because at no point do they ask men what's going on with them. They talk about it politically. They may talk about it economically. If they get personal, they talk about how it affects women, but they don't ask men what's going on with them, why it's happening. And that's the ridiculous part of this. So many people are losing their lives simply because nobody gives a damn about actually listening to what they have to say. Appreciate that support, Naris Black. Thank you for that. I saw some others uh, in here. Chemistry, what's going on? Says, wow, I'm really fortunate to be divorced and drama free. I hear you. Larry R says, I ran into so-called, okay, he was talking about passport bros. Yeah, so I appreciate the support from y'all. Thank you. Yeah, and this is the resource that we have to be for each other, most particularly men. We've been raised to compete with one another. Uh, One of the things I see on a regular basis is how quickly we'll put each other down over all kinds of things, mistakes, um, you know, difficult situations, quote unquote, bad luck. First one we attack is each other. He didn't do this right. He didn't do that right. We have a hard time with compassion. Compassion isn't just about making excuses for people to get away with not being accountable. At a certain human level, men in particular, have to find ways to be more compassionate in their support of one another. Especially when you're talking about a group like black men who already know, ain't nobody else coming for us. For real. I haven't seen a lot of the the Miss Frances Berries who I talked about earlier. I haven't seen uh, Frances Perry Lee. I haven't seen a lot of those people, those kinds of people anymore. A lot of that generation is gone. So we have to do it for each other. You know, so I'll continue this last portion of it, right? So Karen, of course, is uh, Chris's mother. Her husband, Jim Christensen, who died in 2020 at the age of 85, had been the music director for Disneyland's Main Street Electrical Parade. He also served as a musical director and conductor of the Disney All-American College Orchestra from 84 to 1992 at Epcot's American Gardens Theater. Karen revealed her oldest, her older son, Kent, also committed suicide in 2017 at the age of 57. Shit. Marlena's ex-husband told the Daily Mail on condition of anonymity that she had no history of making false claims, adding that he knew of no previous domestic violence allegations against Christensen. Marlena did not respond to the outlet's request for comment. Right. So this woman lost two of her sons to suicide. And apparently suicide wasn't on the table until he got with her. But it's not just this. So I, I raised this article just to highlight. When I talk about one of the reasons men are withdrawing socially, a lot of it has to do with a lack of institutional support or protection. What I bring, The reason I bring this article up is he had no protection from her. This is the Me Too era. Just a call was enough to destroy his career. And he didn't even touch her. And he didn't even say she was scared. He actually said she responded out of anger. See, that that implies that she knew what she was doing. She knew she could hurt him. This is where the police end up being used as proxies, not only for physical violence, but also reputational violence, right? The destruction of one's reputation and career. She knew what she was doing because she could. 
he could call the police on her. They would be very lax about whether if they did anything at all. But she knew as a woman, making a call has a whole different impact. She knew what muscle she was flexing. She knew what she was putting into, into motion. Now, I don't get the long-term benefit of doing this for you know to your own husband in terms of destroying his career, but it doesn't have anything to do with long-term benefit. A lot of the time, this kind of action is flexed simply because somebody's upset. And most particularly in the black community, this is, an, this is a control mechanism that's often employed to control men by threat of proxy violence. But there's also social violence. There's also, you know, this kind of reputation-oriented violence, the destruction of one's whole means of survival on the basis of whim. I told y'all a story over a year ago. I had a former student call me and tell me a couple of his boys, one in particular, his new wife had sent him to jail because he came home late. And she assumed he must have been cheating. So she fabricated an abuse charge and sent him to jail. That was probably about two years ago now. Maybe about six months ago, I asked him, whatever happened to your boy as far as the one that went to jail? He said, well, he got out. And mind you, this was somebody that had already served a sentence for a crime he committed when he was younger. Got out, built his own career up, was now a six-figure earner and got married. She called the police one night and accused him of abusing her because he came home late and she assumed he was cheating. And I said, well, what happened to him since then? He said, well, he got out, but she's called the police several times and done the same thing a couple of times over since then, simply because she could. There are no checks and balances. There are no real repercussions that she has to endure. There's no standard by which she's measured or the call is measured for that matter. And if you already have had a record, even though you've rebuilt yourself from scratch, in the eyes of the law, they see you as a potential, an even greater threat, which again, she knew. She knew, which makes him that much more vulnerable despite all the work he's done rebuilding himself from scratch. In the eyes of the law, he's a potential abuser and, and criminal. And they have no problem taking him back. And that was her husband. Didn't even matter to her. So the lack of protection. Now I'm gonna show you another, right? This is something we talk about a lot on this channel because we created it here. This is the blackmail political agenda. Right now it's at 16 points. There's still a couple of ideas in the hopper that might send this up. We'll take a look at that soon, not today, right? And I've covered this many a time. Here are the 16 things that, you know, the men have brought to the Onyx report as far as their concerns. Right? All kinds of issues. But I want you to notice two things. I know it's not easy to see in this list. There are two uh, components of this list. These, this is a list of proposed ideas, proposed policy ideas to improve the quality of black males' lives. Right? The two ideas or two areas that have the most number of subpoints, meaning that people have contributed smaller points underneath the umbrella of the larger idea because of how important it is. The two ideas that have the most impact on this list are criminal law reform and law enforcement and family court reform. I want you to observe something. There are 11 subpoints under criminal law reform. This is, this is the area here where we're talking about 
black men being killed by police officers or law enforcement arbitrarily being shot, being lied on, being abused, all kinds of really criminalistic homicide in the ha- by the hands of law enforcement. That has 11 subpoints to it. But family court reform has 16. So when I talk about a lack of support, when I talk about a lack of protection from institutionally, whether we're talking about policy, whether we're talking about private industry, philanthropic industry, doesn't matter. Whatever industries we're talking about, whatever institutions we're talking about, right? Whether it's relation to the law or not, men are actually looking for ways to protect themselves because they don't have them. So you got 16 subpoints under family court reform. No other area of this list has anywhere near as many. And I'm not going to go through all of them. I'll go through a couple. Just to kind of give you a sense, you got child custody issues, mandatory paternity tests at birth, reinstituting at-fault divorce standards, termination of parental obligation, right? Shout out to, uh, you know, uh, Hood Servitor. That was a point that he made. It was initially called financial abortion. Child support value system, right to lifestyle, you know, require formal child support management papers, prohibiting jailing for failure to pay child support. The reason these issues are so prominent, even over law enforcement, is because they're far more personal. You may have a police officer that gets up one day and decides that you're going to be the brunt of his rage. But how much more likely is it that your girlfriend, significant other or wife who's upset with you may not do the same thing that other women have done? Flex a muscle that she has that you don't simply because she can. And this isn't to say that women are just, you know, you know, flawed creatures that do this simply because it is to say in many respects, and again, most particularly in the black community, they've really been socialized in a very particular way. And I argue they've been socialized to see their men as beneath them in many instances. And they've also been socialized to seek the upper hand in relationships, even if using proxy violence or institutional violence, proxy institutional violence, like ruining your reputation simply because she's mad at you calling the police and fabricating a charge that she doesn't have to provide evidence for. So the police will come threaten you or take you away in hopes that you will come back humble. I had a brother just tell me the other day, he's, he's approaching 60. He was telling me stories about his first marriage where his wife would call the police on him, fabricate a charge about him being an abuser just so he'll spend the night in jail. And she'll be the one to pick him up. And as soon as he gets in the car, she begins to browbeat him and finger wag. Not because he actually did anything, but just to say, now this is what I can do to you whenever you upset me. This is a grown man sitting in the passenger side car of his wife's car being berated because she was angry at him. But not that he did anything to her. These are, that's what I mean when I say control mechanisms. So when you have these kinds of of control mechanisms that can be really employed by any woman, it could even be a stranger. This was something that was usually the legacy of white women against black men. She could literally damage or destroy you simply because you exist and she's there and she decides to. Now this is extended to women in mass. And it isn't to say that all women use it. It's to say that women have access to it and men don't. It is a one-sided power that we act act like doesn't exist, right? 
And in response to that, you have men withdrawing. This is the last thing I'll say on this before I, I really, and I'm gonna put the invitation in the chat. People, uh, others to come on up, share your thoughts, All right? Last thing I'll add to this, when we talk about social withdrawal, again, I said at the beginning of the show, this is something that white men are four decades late to. Black men are the canaries in the coal mine on this. This you can find on finance.yahoo.com or Yahoo Finance. And the article is entitled, The Most Chilling Metric of All, Mike Rowe warns that 7 million American men are done looking for work and have punched out. And he begins to talk about why that's a serious problem. Now, I'm not going to go through this article in depth. I will put the link to all the articles I've shown in the description box after the show is over, as I usually do. So you can peruse these yourself. Right? It says, while the U.S. market, U.S. labor market remains incredibly tight, with the economy adding another 263,000 jobs in November, around 7 million prime-age men between the ages of 25 and 54 are reportedly sitting it out. Isn't that interesting? Because when you really get down to it, and I thought about this before I had a child and before I was married, how much do I actually need? You know, I think it was, I think it was Chris Rock. No, it was Dave Chappelle that actually said, if a man, you know, could do whatever he wanted to do, he, he would, without having to, you know, buy something to impress a woman and I'm messing it up. But he said he'd live in a, a, in a box. He'd live in a cardboard box. There's some truth to that in the sense that much of what we do as men in terms of what we purchase and so on and so forth is, is about attracting women. One of the things that men have found when they, in the, especially in the last two years during the pandemic, where many men have been forced to withdraw, even if you didn't want to, right? The pandemic puts you in a situation where you may not have been able to socialize anywhere near as much as you did before. You most likely weren't. A lot of men discovered that life actually goes on without dating, without sex, without a lot of different things. And there are some men that upon discovering this, realize that they actually could live a very comfortable life with less. I mean, one of the reasons married men earn more than single men is because the pressure of providing is on you. You got kids. What happens if you don't? What happens if you don't have a wife or kids? How much pressure is there to climb the corporate ladder? What happens if all you need to actually sustain yourself and be comfortable doesn't actually require a whole lot of effort. What then? My thought on it is you start dealing with societal collapse on a certain level. If you can't inspire men, if men have no reason to invest, to sacrifice, to put themselves out there and risk, uh, you know, death in some circumstances to achieve, I think society begins to fail. But what do I know? Uh, Rush, appreciate that support. You know, generous, very generous contribution. Thank you for that. All right. So I put the link out there. If you're willing to come up, you want to talk about any of this, we can do so now. If not, we can shut it down early. It's on y'all. But I wanted to get a few of these things out there. Shout out to Keep It 100. Good to see you out there, man. Uh, y'all check out the Keep It 100 channel if you haven't been. Support the brother as he as he builds and grows the channel. Uh, uh-oh. You got Colonel Faulkner himself. What's good, man? Uh, How you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Let me know that uh, Lothar, Lothar put the axe. 
<laughs> oh, you know about that, man. Boy. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta get my collection up because you know I, I would I would come over to your house and steal that stuff that sort of almost, but you just probably call it back to your hand. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What's oh. good with you, man? Uh, not much. I've listened to your show. Always a fantastic uh, product of content. Oh, um, okay. uh, I'm, I'm a little shocked and appalled by some of the things you talked about because I don't believe that women call the police on men. Okay. No, I'm joshing, but it's it's the fact that <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll be serious for a second. <laughs> I'll be serious for a second. I'm going to tell you some grizzly black pill stories. Do you know how many cops any, because I look, when you're in a profession like the military, fire department, police, it's a fraternity. Okay. It's like if it's a college. Mm -hmm. Do you know how many little brothers I had to talk down from either hurting themselves or the woman? Yeah. There's one incident where my boy Josh told a story where he didn't see his daughter for two years and she kept hiding her, hiding his daughter away from him. But the court still gave her child support. You literally are forced to pay for a child you can't see and dictate how they're going to be raised. And every time he, he puts up a contempt of court, here comes the wait process. But Lord knows if she says something, here comes a warrant. Mm. There's another officer. He has a baby with enough with a female detective. Wow. He didn't see his son from one month till the baby was damn near a year old. Took the baby from Baltimore to New Jersey. Mm. And I'm like, what's the excuse? Wow. I've asked these people all the time who are the detractors. What's the excuse of keeping the babies from good fathers and good men? Mm. And, I'm, and I've always said this, Doc. Men give women purpose. Women give men inspiration. Why don't we build? Because you didn't inspire us to. Mm. What? what? Self-preservation is the first rule of law. Mm. And I'm like, why should I go through a mental hang-up over my kid? But then you want to feel vindicated over the abuse you hand me. You want to play games of who's the father. You want to mm. play games if once you find out the paternity, oh, you can't have them. I need to I need to dictate how you're going to do with your seed. Wow. I'm telling you, I should have a PhD in psychology. There's so many times I've talked people down. And nobody sees this. Mm. You, you can't say these are the Pookies and the quote unquote Ray Rays. These are men who make substantial money, who are educated, who are getting raked over the coals just because of a person's whims. Mm. Mm. And what makes it even more disgusting is that there are times when you investigate domestic violence and the women will look at you crazy because you see you see the you see the marks of violence on the men and not her. Right. And you take her to jail. She's like, this isn't right. This is not how it's supposed to go. Um, yes, it is. It's called an investigation. Uh. But I called. Yeah. You assaulted, too. <laughs> wow. 
Wow. They, could, they think they can actually commit a crime against you, call the police, and we automatically believe them. Right. Right. I, and, but I wonder at times, did, does it take a police officer that has a mentality where he questions these gender practices to even challenge women, or does the, the regular everyday cop do this? I mean, what do you notice? I'm going to tell you what happened. And shout out to a lot of cops who be, especially the black cops, because a lot of a lot of cops argue toe to toe with the state's attorney's office and the lawmakers because they're like, number one, when I went through when I came through the academy in 07, it it was a few things that um that were not making sense, like men couldn't be R word sexually assaulted. The same, it could be sodomized, but not the other one. Okay. So they changed the law in that. So you have to treat it the same way. Now, when they go to domestic violence, there's more investigation involved instead of just her word. Mm. And that took a lot of lot of arguing, a lot of arguing, and a lot of questioning by police officers who said this ain't right. Because there's many a guys who were like. You know, this guy's the guy. She would like women would literally try to get a guy arrested who's the breadwinner only because, like you said, because she's mad. And that, and that's not right. Yeah, I mean that tends to happen if you have any. I mean, look, it seems to be a facet of human nature. If you have too much power and there are no checks and balances, at some point, especially if you extend this to a whole group. And there are no checks oh, and balances. Marcus, at some you, point, especially you, if you extend this to whole Marcus, Marcus. Yeah, but I mean, if you have too much unchecked power for any person or group, at some point it's going to be abused. Oh yeah, you know what they say about power? Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Absolutely. And I've had people question, like, well, why should it? You know, why is it that you're, you you guys you know hate women or you think women are the enemy? not about being the enemy it's simply about the fact that you can deal with a society that's already against you but when the person laying next to you can invoke institutional power against you because she can that's a problem yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give somebody else the floor but i'll end off with this i've i've said this a woman asked me why do y'all feel this way about women i said let me ask you this question right you go to school, right? You, you, you work your ass off to get good grades. You, you try to get this job. You got to be competitive. You build up a house. You buy a house. You get a nice car. You get these nice things in your house. You get married. Would you take that marriage if you had an 80% chance that person was going to take half and take away your kids? And she said no. Then why do you expect us to play a bad deal too? Wow. Yeah. And she was she was speechless. She was like, I never thought about that. I said, because you women never had to. Yeah. yeah. I always I always get brothers to say things like, well, or not even just brothers. Well, you guys, you you don't want to challenge white supremacy. You just would rather attack women. And I'm like, no, I'm actually talking about the, the same systemic white supremacist issues you guys are talking about. But I'm talking about them institutionally, because well, institutionally you give one demographic in a community power, particularly over another, 
through proxy force, you're undermining that group, and that group can't function. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about it, Doc. You got to think about it, Doc. You know, why should why should I have to fight white supremacy when I got the Klan in my bedroom? Damn. Damn. Mr. Z, you were going to weigh in on this. Go ahead and weigh in on it. You know, um, thank you for having me up, um, Dr. T. What's going on, Charles? What's going on, Mark? Um, okay, so I, I saw this post on on IG a, a couple of um, couple of days ago, I think. And you know, glance for punishment. So I go in the comments, mm. and it's nothing but black people responding about how weak this man was, mm. including black men. So the framing is what I find interesting: is that black people saw him as being weak because, oh, he got this one hiccup in life. And this is pretty much the predominant, you know, comment in the, in the comment section. Some people were, were truly saddened, but primarily it was, he had this one hiccup in life and he's so weak that he decided to take his life, right? It was not any real like examination of what he might've been going through or right. anything um, about what, you know, that the, the dynamics of that relationship, what could have drove him into that, it was, primarily black men and black women because it was it was a black social media um site um on ig or black social media page on ig and mm. it was just black men and black women ripping into him you know the, the the stereotypical you know white man can't deal with this type of pressure and blah 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 and <laughs> the framing to me was just it was fascinating we still refuse to even when it comes to white relationships we still refuse to examine what could have possibly drove him to that state coming from her right? right and that that i don't i don't know what you can do with that when even the men see that man as being weak <laughs> that's yeah. insane you know i'll pause right there yeah yeah no that's real um we got marcus in the building is your, is your mic working marcus yeah it took a minute all right. What's, <laughs> good, man? What's going on, man? Woo! What's going on, Charles? What's going on? <laughs> Woo! Marcus, Woo! Marcus, Marcus, Marcus. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, I see Indigo in the chat talking about Yamanika. Yeah, if you haven't, go back and check those old Patrice O'Neill uh, Black Phillips shows. He used to talk about Yamanika. He'd give it to her, boy. Uh, but anyway, go ahead, Marcus. Weigh in on this, man. So, you know how sometimes we look at relationships, right? Where you got a guy that's like, like putting his hands on this woman, and then you think to yourself, "Why she don't leave?" Mm. Mm. That's us. Mm. Think about it. That's us. So if you're in the chat and you ever seen a woman with an abusive husband, boyfriend, whatever, mm. I would say that. A good amount of us black men mm. are in that same position it's just not a one-on-one a, a -on -one. it's a it's you know culturally okay you know our relationship with black women is pretty much a uh like a, a dv case mm. we are the tina turners Damn. of black relationships you know what i'm saying um like I like to say, um, men are the new bitches, and that's what, and that's, and that's where we are. Um, I, you know, I hear all of this stuff, and it's, it's like, you know, we, we, we look at this stuff and we see it. It's in our face more than it's ever been before. You know, like I tell you all the time, like, 
the the internet vindicated me. So now that this stuff is not stuff that I have to point out to people, it's in everyone's faces. And I go back and forth with guys on Facebook and I send them stuff and they're still in denial, man. No, no, no. Is you know. Yeah. That's where we are, man. Yeah. Okay. What do you mean? To what Marcus is saying real quick. I, I didn't hear you say that again. No, okay. No, oh, I'm sorry. Um, can, can I add to what Marcus is saying, if anyone can hear me? Go ahead. Okay, I'm, I think I'm breaking up a little bit. No, you, you're fine. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, so, um, you know, <laughs> the the... Okay, so I think what's happening is that the, the, the social change has happened so quickly that most people, including men, are still stuck in this pre-1980s paradigm when it comes to man-woman relationship, or maybe even pre-1970s paradigm. And so there's this concept of power that men wield that doesn't take into account second-wave feminism, like post-second-wave feminism post neoliberalism post like this hyper consumerism the courts and the media and the corporations kind of tailoring everything for women and women's disposable income right so everything is framed as if men still if they even ever but still have this type of power over women and over society that they have long either given up or had had knocked out their hand especially for for working class and, and average men, right? Maybe elite men still have that power, but everything under that top um, 20%, it's it's not the case. But th- so I think that even, that causes a problem with even everyday regular men when they see certain things going on in society or the power play between men and women, they still, they're still framing it as like these over these brutes, men are these brutes and women are these innocent little dainty creatures. And that, and it's interesting watching men go through the problems that come from that framing while they still adopt that frame. You know, when I pause right there. I think if you, if you listen to feminists, uh, particularly what Gigi refers to as dominance feminists, uh, talk about their issues with men, they're usually talking about a very small percentage of men um, mm-hmm. that have a certain type of societal power, institutional right. power, and they imply that all men have it. And therefore all men need to be, all women need to be protected from all men. All men are a threat. It needs to be kind of dealt with. And that's the rationale that I think over time has produced such a lack of empathy that you can have this man commit suicide and explain why. And the majority of the chat is either laughing or dismissing him altogether. Right. I mean, I think that's one of the ways we get to this kind of stat, this status. But uh, I want to get I want to get Adam to weigh in on some of this. What's good with you, Adam? Yeah. Uh-oh. Right, I think his I think his mic is is yeah. blocked. Yeah, we might. Mute. We'll give him. How's some it going, brother? Can you hear me? Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. What's up, Adam? Can you can you hear me? Yeah, we can I hear you. I think his mic is, is blocked. Yeah, you got your oh. phones on though. Can Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> we're getting We're getting some feedback though. You have some. You have some earphones. Can you hear me now? Okay, hold on. Let me let me mute that. Okay, we need to get you, you know, get some earphones on. We're getting a lot of feedback. Um, come, come on up when you're ready. Afro nerd, jump in on this, man. What's up with you? Hey, Doctor Johnson, what's happening? Oh, nothing much. How you doing? Okay, I'm hanging in there. Um, well, you know, this this situation is very sad. You know, cross racially, if you look at it, it's, it's still a rough road. Um, I saw the the gentleman's um Facebook posting, 
and he explained everything yeah, pretty co- pretty concretely yeah, you know and, and for um even our own people to look at it in a certain way and to clown it you know the one of the things i wanted to reach out to you about was uh earlier today i was just um happening to listen to serious serious xm and there's a show, a political show, Urban View, uh, the Clay Kane show. And I'm going to try to capture the, the audio for you. Okay. So, so Clay Kane was uh, the host, was having a discussion with uh, a young woman, a, apparently a black female, maybe attorney or something. And they were trying to, they were trying to deconstruct what happened with Stacey Abrams that campaign. Okay. And I'm listening to it, and when they when they got to the point about Again, when you talk about like the, a, a black man involved in having a discussion, the black feminist, the black male feminist is a problem. Mm. And you know that you spoke about this so many times. But when they were talking about it and I'm listening with a keen ear, mm. uh, they're, they're saying things like, well, you know, how, how did she lose? This is the second time going, blah, 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 blah. Well, we have to market that. You know, we have to chalk it up to to misogyny. Definitely. So he went to the whole misogyny argument. OK. And then there was no oh, and they and they said something that I know you would appreciate. They said, uh, "Well, when a woman wins, men also gain from that." Like they just said that very passively. Okay. That, that I said, "Wait a minute, what universe are are we are we in when the man on the show just assumes of assumes this flat blackness that Yvette Carnell mentioned a few years ago." I, I, there's no evidence of that. I just wish there was some way where there's, there was a black male voice to say, wait a minute, th- this stuff is a little bit more complicated mm. with just chalking it up to just squarely misogyny. Right. That's, that's the, so I guess my point is that, and you know this, men at this point, especially black men, the idea that black male ag- agency can't even be discussed, that the, that the black female agency is really is the the flat blackness that is an expectation we just kind of all roll around with it. we just roll with it no one no one is able to say wait a minute you know you might be off on a few things i think it was if those i'm going to get, get the audio i'm going to try to get it to you so you can see there's a few things that were just said that wow nobody counters this this is just an acceptable thing right and i appreciate you bringing me the audio i want to hear what this was about it's crazy. Um, Marcus, <laughs> anything you want to say about that, man? Yeah, I guess we lost. Man. No, no, I'm right here. I'm right here. I was just muted. Any thoughts? Um, on this is this is how I feel, man. It's like, like I think Z a second ago, and what's going on, Z? It's been a minute. Um, what's going on, bro, bro? Right, no doubt. We're not behind. It's just remember we have a strong female influence in our culture mm. all all of our authority female uh, uh figures are women pardon me all of our authority figures are women from our teachers to auntie to grandmama everybody in the house is a woman mm. so we, you know we growing up to see everything from a woman's point of view mm-hmm. okay um this isn't new you know, this is 60s, 70s, the whole time. We've never been the patriarchy. We never had power over, you know, women like that. Mm. Black men don't have power over women that women don't voluntarily give to them. Mm. 
Okay. So from the time we grew up, you know, just like most of us grew up religious, a lot of us grew up Christian. I see feminism, especially in, in our case, is pretty much a religion. Mm. We believe in it even when the facts shown to us say otherwise. Right. Right. So, you know, you can have the most intelligent dude in the world. You know what I mean? He'll tell you, nah, I don't, I, no, I disagree. I, you know, I had a conversation with a guy, you know, uh, Davies, my man, Mike Black. And Mike Black is a, he, he's, he's religious mm. with, when it comes to being a male feminist. Okay. He's, he is, he is like cult level. Mm. There's nothing you can show him. There's nothing you could tell him. And he is not the only one like him. I would say most black men because, and I'm going to take it here. We are groomed just like how women accuse us of grooming young women. No, we mm. get groomed. We get groomed from childhood, right? From, from childhood to place women before ourselves. Mm hmm. And it creates this self-loathing. Like, you know, you, you're told all of this stuff about men to the point where you hate men. You almost feel like how white people feel when it, in, in, in the racial context. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Say it Without again for Negroes in the back. They didn't hear you. <laughs> you sound like you're using Charles Faulknerisms. Which, which part? The last thing I said, you mean? Yeah. About Negroes don't love each other. You know, we, we, we you know, we quick to clap at each other, but you know, a white man come there, you, you bitch me. Well, I mean, you know, shout out to Bernard. I, I, I say that, I said the same thing, like with us, we ride for everyone else. Mm. We ride for Republican, we ride for Democrat, we ride for black women, we ride for, I mean, you got a bunch of dudes clapping at each other over this yay slash them people shit. And I'm like, yo, what room do other groups of people sit and clap at each other mm. over over our rights, our you know uh, humanity and things like that? I've seen other people, people from other groups, stand alongside black people in their fight for rights and humanity, but in our absence, it doesn't happen like that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And that's to me, black men are men without country. But the, the sad thing about it is, especially when it comes to, you know, these relationships, you know, and you got all this proof and data, empirical, this and that, all of this stuff pointing to one thing. And guys are really in denial. It's not that they're stuck in some time warp. It's that they are raised to believe this on, you know, a, a, on a religious level. Right. When you have this you level know. of cognitive uh, bias and cognitive dissonance. It's, it's it's really about that. Like your 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 how can I say your masculinity, your righteousness as a human being is based on how well you treat women, how well you can provide for them, and pretty much ignore your own self interest. That's what you being a good person in this religion is based on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'll, yeah. I'll leave it there. I, let, let me add. Yeah, let me add to what um Marcus is saying by saying, we have to be honest that feminists won, right? They won, and now they're a rebel without a cause, right? They didn't. They didn't fully prepare for what winning looks like, and nor did the male feminists. 
and so for the most part that they they've won this right they have academia they have the media bending over backwards to the point where even even gillette is insulting its own its own male customers right so you've won you've won the discourse you you have it but what does that look like well it looks like you know less black male sperm donors that's what it looks like and it looks it looks like more and more men regardless of race dropping out of society that's what it looks like if you if you want this then you have it but going to what marcus is saying that's not really that's not really paying your fealty to the religion correctly right the fealty to the religion as a man is to bow not to be indifferent and not to leave but to bow and that's why they're so rageful about men being indifferent because you leaving the game means that they don't fully win they don't win the way they want to win right the winning is to smear your face in it because and and going back to what mark is saying you have people hearkening back to some centuries ago well y'all the ones who sold us into slavery right <laughs> so what what that means is that you everything is about payback and I, I speak about this often which is it's all about some cosmic justice and payback so even speaking about the the unfortunate death of this man right self-deletion it's 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 framed in this well she couldn't have done anything wrong i mean he is a man right i mean he is a man and i mean he did it himself right there's nothing she could have possibly done to kind of help to lead to this right because it's always some it's always framed as i'm i gotta defend this position of the cosmic payback and justice because you being born with the phallus is is it's an affront to my humanity and so everything i do is to defend my position as a woman right and other women regardless of what happens right so if 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 we don't, I think as black men, if we don't come to the realization that the the second wave feminism did its job actually too too well, even for women, they won, right? And this is what winning looks like, and it's hurting even your average woman. Then we can't really have a conversation about what's going on now, and women are gonna have to be honest about it also that they won. You got what you wanted. You just don't like the prizes of what winning looks like, not well, for the average woman anyway. Well, you know, Mr. Z, it's inevitable, like Thanos. And <laughs> the craziness about it is, is that how does it feel to be left unprotected with no men taking up the hard jobs that you that keeps you in line? How does it feel to go out there as a failure? Not even enough sperm in a bank to give you black babies. Literally. Not even enough men willing to change your tire. You know, it's I enough. was, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I think it was What's like, that? you know, there's some very interesting points uh, that were brought up here, and I, they have a, a practical impact on the lives of men and women and, and families in general. And I think uh, what's What's particularly interesting to me about this, uh, and Dr. Johnson, you already know the, the field I'm in, so uh, what I, I think is very interesting about this is from the aspect of the family courts, and particularly the child welfare aspect of this, right? Because he was accused of child abuse. Now, I've been doing a lot of research on this. I actually have several studies open on my screen right now. I was trying to find a specific one uh, to read a exact quote. I can't find it right now. But there's over 70 articles. But the, the, the bottom line is they found that child welfare workers, their, their interaction with fathers is often uh, their interaction with fathers is often from a negative. Right. We want to protect the family from this man. Right. right? 
they also found that their relationship with the child welfare workers' relationship with their own fathers impacted how they interacted with father or their professional clients, right? And so if they had a poor relationship with their own father or he wasn't in the home, then when they interact with fathers, they're like, oh, this guy is just like my dad or the guy who ran, right? How their 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 mother portrayed their father. And so that cycle not not only repeats in other families, but also in professional fields, these women fuck? interact with. Uh, I'm sorry, you got with, no problem when they interact with with families, right? But further, what we look at here is the data shows that families where the biological father is in the home have the lowest risk of child abuse, and the man is the least likely to abuse the child. In fact, he when the father is present in the home. That even reduces the mother's uh, 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 risk, for ca capacity FBI for violence and abuse in the say, FBI statistics say women are five times more likely to abuse children than men. Indeed, right? And so what was fascinating about this case, right, is that this man uh, was the victim of domestic violence. It is a national policy, right, across child welfare agencies across the country that when there is domestic violence in a home, the person who's the abuser is removed, right? Custody generally, custody generally goes to the person who's the victim. Mm -hmm. And yet this man is the victim of abuse, but he's the one who's removed and the child is given to the abuser, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's so backwards how yeah. they set up this system. And, it, you know, I was, there's one last thing I was, I was looking at, which shows some of the reason why men... Uh, want to step away and uh, I was wondering uh, I'm not sure if you, you would mind if I shared just uh, one one chart okay uh, I want to get I want to get Ian in this conversation in a second but go ahead cool um, I just wanted to tell the brother my apologies I was stuck in traffic and that's why that's where the outburst came from my apologies yeah we can tell <laughs> this is some road rage jumping off <laughs> Why are you okay? Here, I see. Here it is. So th this is a study that's uh, this is called exploring child welfare's at workers' attitudes and practice with fathers. This came in 2014. Several such articles, but I wanted to go just to these two charts right here. Reasons for child for father-child barriers. So they're trying to reach out to men to get men to to be involved in the families, right? But in the theme of the context of the show, where we're talking about how men are withdrawing. When we look at this data, reasons for father-child barriers, problems with children's mother, 96.3%, right? No valid address, no working address. But, I mean, this is a huge, huge percentage. And, of course, when it says alcohol, drug problems, that's of the father and also of the mother or both, you know, so it depends on the relationship. But that's a huge percentage there. And when it, we look at why these men don't want to work with these agencies, because they don't feel comfortable and don't trust them. 91.7% don't trust them. So when you have a system where men don't, where 90% of your men don't trust don't the system, they don't have any faith that it's going to do any good for them. And they're having problems with the mothers because the mother do trust their system. They work into the system. They're using the system against these men. How can you then expect the bulk of these men to still gung-ho walk into the system, mm. Right. Not only that, but we've also proven, and it's been proven over the over the past decade, 
that the system has a bias against these men. The workers, mm -hmm. the child welfare workers have a bias against these men. The family courts have a bias against these men. The, the way that uh, the police have to use the law, the, the law itself is biased. So even if the cop is not biased, he has to implement a biased law. And so why would men want to interact with a meat grinder? It, it, yeah. it, but they don't get that because this is not their experience. They feel comfortable with the system. They trust the agencies, right? There's there's all these programs. I'm not going to go through all of them, but there's a whole bunch of programs for mothers. In fact, they've admitted that there's so many programs for mothers that even the men that, that go to the agencies don't think there's any programs for them. So they don't even bother looking and the agencies don't bother offering because they can't find any, right? I mean, you know, I could go on and on about it, but the, the, the bottom line is when you look at it from just that aspect that he was, that they accused him of child abuse. This is the machine that he was going up against. This is the, 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 he tries to get, when we're trying to get visitation, trying to have your visitation respected, even trying to get decency and respect from, well, from agency, from workers, right? In the child welfare system across the country, right? Not any one particular agency, but across the country is, is, is difficult. And so when men begin to withdraw, <laughs> all of a sudden they act like they don't know what went wrong. They don't know why these men wouldn't want to rush into a meat grinder and be treated like trash. It, I, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. Right? But, but this, this, this to me, uh, and, and you're getting requests to put that link in the chat, if you don't mind, um, oh, it's up to you. Gotcha. Um, I'm, I'm going to send it in there right now. All right. When I, when I say this, and this is with respect to Mr. Z, and I, and I say this with all due respect, the one problem, though, with putting this in a win-loss dynamic, a zero-sum game, is that I think one of the things that was overlooked, especially when we talk about the rise of Black feminism in particular, is it, people lost track of the fact that the social relations between men and women are like a, a delicate tapestry. And when women began to tug at this tapestry so that they could redefine their roles um, they still expected men to stay static, right? So she can do whatever she wants, you know, in society, in relationships, whatever. And she can, you know, she can impose the law. She can impose institutions against men at her whim. I think what, what she started to really misunderstand is what impact that would have over time. And what we're seeing with men withdrawing, with men, you know, socially withdrawing, with men pulling out of the country, with men... Hell, even just going monk. And I really think people underestimate this monk thing and, and how often it's happening. Because I'm even seeing this in young boys, like, you know, from 14 That's to a fact. 17. You know what I mean? When we were 14 to 17, we were chasing women left and right. When I was in school, we were we were trying to figure it out. We were trying to get to it. We were trying to see what this was all about. <laughs> I've met so many calm, you know, rational 14-year-old boys that are just like, oh, yeah, I don't deal with them. I'm like, what? Yep. They are on I don't even hold on. We got somebody's got some feedback, but uh, but you know, I'm simply saying that that the problem is everything that's happening in regard to this is tearing the fabric of society apart, and it's just that we've reached the point where even as women are starting to understand that the push that they've made to have this one sided dynamic that's actually tearing apart families, we're seeing it happen, and the choice is being laid at their feet. Are you going to give this up for the sake of the family's well-being? And more often than not, we're seeing the answer is no. And this and is so I, men away. My apologies. But, so I agree with that, Dr. T. I just was saying that 
So the delicate dance that you described, that's what I'm saying. So if you if you want to be the lead of the delicate dance, then there's there's a that comes at a cost. And the problem is that they don't want to yeah. pay the cost while also wanting to be the lead of the dance. I, I don't yeah. understand how that works. And I I think the whole that's where shame comes in. The shaming tactic is do this even though it does not benefit you much, right? right. Because it benefits me, right? So that's what I'm saying. But how do you get men to do something when when there's no benefit? There's no benefit. To you don't. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, you got a lot of feedback. feedback. Uh, I, can tell I can tell you how. You simply don't. You don't see when men look at logic. This is the reason why men typically do better at math because it's logic. Two plus two equals four. It's something that does not equate to a man's soul. And when men start to rebuke their indoctrination and programming, it, it starts saying, what, what the hell am I doing this for? I'm not benefiting. I'm looking at my uncles. I'm looking at my brothers. I'm looking at my father, my grandfather. And I saw them get raked over the coals. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. And, I, and I'm looking at it. Because even on my channel, we talk about why female leadership is horrific. In order to be a leader, you must have foresight, responsibility, and accountability. How many women are you known for, for saying that? They want to be reckless with power. They're drunken with power. It's an intoxication, an obsession. They, women today have gone to supervillainly levels. <laughs> They're they're basically with super villain levels of power, power struggles and hunger. And it's like the men have said no, like it's not worth it. Why do you think there's so many girls nowadays who are teenagers? The boys don't even bother with us. Mm. I've seen so many guys who wrestled and they were like, you know, we don't mess with black girls. And the black girls are just looking over there pathetic. I'm like, why don't you walk up there? They don't want to mess with us. Oh. Did you ever ask them why? Well, no. And one girl said, I did. And she said, the boy said I was too goddamn mean. <laughs> I don't think I was mean. And I was like, honey, some days talking to you is like talking to a Wolverine in a jockstrap. <laughs> somebody so somebody, somebody, got, their somebody got their mic open. Mic open. Yeah. yeah. I think that was Charles. Yeah. Hey, we, we talk about what social media did to the dating landscape, positive for women, but the, it did do something for the young men. It it showed them something different. 20, give or take 20 years of this kind of high-speed internet um, social media access, and you're, you're, what you're finding is younger millennials in Generation Z, they, they just fundamentally see relationships as different. Yeah. Right. And then they get access to us as older men easily. They, they don't have to only talk to their uncles. They're also speaking to some of us in our 30s, 40s, 50s right. over social media. And they're like, yeah, I'm I'm just not going to deal with that at an early age. And and yeah. for the good and bad of it, by the way, there there is something to be said about going through some of those experiences if they don't destroy you. So I actually I actually have a little bit of apprehension towards that also. But yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately for a lot of the young women, they're they're not gonna they're not going to have those type of relationships with young men that women 15, 20, 30 years ago did, unfortunately. You know, and I'll pause right there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
if, if you look at it in terms of, uh, you know, BGS talks about environment all the time, you mm -hmm. know, uh, and, and how that affects people. And when you look at it, uh, and I, I keep mentioning Kurt Lewin's uh, formula there, where he speaks about you know, behavior being a function of the personality environment. And I, I, I like to modify that formula and look at it in terms of social exchange theory as well, right? Where the social behaviors, uh, it, it can be predicted by the, the social cost minus the social reward. Right, or rather the social reward minus the social cause. So if you look at it in terms of the personal reward for a behavior or endeavor minus the personal cost, and then compare that to the environmental reward minus the environmental cost. And if you look at that over time, you can begin to see how behaviors would shift. Right. And when we look at this on the personal level or an interpersonal level, men are not receiving the rewards that that the personal cost of these relationships require. And when you look at the environment in terms of the the, the policy and that's in place, there's there's no there's really no reward environmentally, right? right? Men are not socially rewarded or, or practically rewarded in any given way, besides maybe getting a a, a a tax discount at the end of the year for being married. Besides that, there's really no environmental reward for these type of uh, uh, endeavors, right? But when you look at the environmental costs, even the opportunity cost is much higher. And so now you're seeing men just, you know, especially as men discovered during the coronavirus, like, hey, I got all this extra time. I could fill it up with other things. And so now okay. they're, they're, they're just doing other things. It's not like they're, they're not doing stuff. They're just doing what they want to do. Like, for example, in the article where the guy said, hey, I wanted to write a book. Well, yeah. instead of being married and having a kid, now he's, he's doing what he, he's, he's writing a book. And what's interesting is when women say, hey, you know what? I'm going to put off marriage because I want to pursue my career. I mean, with the exception of this social space, everywhere else, people say, hey, that's great. She's living her best life. She doesn't have to be a baby maker. She can go out and do whatever she wants. She doesn't have to be barefoot and pregnant. That's her right. life. She's choosing what to do. She freeze her eggs till they're, you know, I mean, they might find them a million years in the future, these frozen eggs. <laughs> I mean, you know, they could do whatever they want. But when men do the same thing and saying, you know what, maybe I can put off family and, and focus on what I actually want to do, what I actually enjoy, becoming who I want to be. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, look, we, we need your batter. You need to go out there and, <laughs> and, 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 and populate, right? Now, all of a sudden, it's, it's an issue. But that's you know, regardless of the shaming language they use, they, they can't get around the, so, the, the, that social exchange theory, that behavioral phenomenology. They cannot get around the fact that the, the personal and environmental costs Far out, see, uh, far exceed any personal environmental rewards that men receiving, and thus over time you will not see the behavior that they want to see. And there's a heavy class element to that. That's all I want to say. That that is very class specific, because <laughs> if you see who's really, because every uh, men across the across the board are making some of these complaints, but if you see who it's really impacting, I would argue it's really your working class, middle class men that is really impacting specifically in the black community when you factoring everything that we've seen over the past 60 or so years and i'll pause right there well, i tell you what um I, I have my thoughts i was thinking about um kevin samuels right and uh really how this gentleman came out really from obscurity and was able to light light the, light up the scene in, in a way where we we are still talking about him he's, he's very interesting and I was on Obsidian's um, platform earlier today, and I mentioned, I said, you know, um, black men are going to have to figure out a way to to uh, encourage their relevance. In other words, um, 
we're I, I Dr. Johnson, you know how I feel about Black Panther. I'm you know, I'm the geek guy, and we know what we know how that scene has been disrupted. But okay. this, this passivity toward um uh programmed obsolescence mm. that has to be addressed. And I even said, Well, why isn't someone talking to and I don't know if it's happening or not, but talking to um Kevin Samuel's family mm. to allow for that channel to be curated mm. just, just like you think of uh of uh, graceland which is the second most visited residence in the united states okay i see uh, you see what i'm saying in other words we don't just let that that you don't let the channel die with the with the gentleman where he's got so much content that there should be some some someone actually on that channel or several people that have his his symbol there have his words being spoken and it kind of explaining what he was about and kind of furthering the, because at this point he really is a brand. Mm -hmm. Bruce Lee died in 70, 72, 73. And his, his wife and his daughter have Bruce Lee.com. They still, still sell his t-shirts. They still, they still reference uh, mm -hmm. be, like, be like water. My friend, See, mm -hmm. he's still uh, Bruce Lee is still alive to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Malcolm X is still alive to me. So th this generation is, is uh, regrettably, they talk about, they use terms like old school instead of classic. We, we old school hip hop. I, I don't, I don't, I, I talk about classic hip hop, classic rock. We see certain people doing certain things where they are able to extend their life. They go, they believe in immortality. Black men just die. There's nothing else, nothing else to, to see. It's, it, we just, you just go away and someone else reinterprets you. No, I, I think we need to start thinking differently. The part of part of the male persona, true male uh, persona, is being able to figure this stuff out. And I think there's a way to actually figure this stuff out for black men. Uh, and we're not doing it. It's, it's something okay. is blocking it. And I think we should we need to we need to start talking a bit differently on how to extend our lives, even if when we die. Mm. Papa's portrait in the living room. Shout out to Black Guru. <laughs> Uh, we need to we need to control our own you know uh, archives in that respect the archives of what we choose to remember a lot of this gets repackaged and sold back to us by others mm. that's one of the things we see uh, and they'll use that image for a lot of stuff I mean we might see clips of of, of Kevin Samuels uh, selling you know dish soap if we're not careful but others will profit off of that and we won't even be you know curating our own so you know I agree there needs to be some management there. In that regard to make sure that there's some protection for what he stood for a lot of that happened with people like king you know dr king mm -hmm. and uh, malcolm you started to see their images used in all kind of places um you know in all kinds of different ways strip club flyers oh hell <laughs> wow yeah. i hate to say it keep it at wow. 1000 oh my goodness um, buy your kitchen utensils on martin luther king day R rihanna has on her twitter page for like maybe two or three years straight she has a picture of Dr. King with a uh, gold earrings and a gold um, or, you know, one of those mouthpieces, you know, the, the grill piece. This is Dr. King. Mm. So we see this all the time. And wow. uh, it's awful. It's no one. T no one tells <laughs> this woman that, you know, this this is not what you do to one of the, one of the, uh, uh, the globe's globe's greatest human beings. You don't do that. Yeah. But this so is where we are. It, it was asked earlier, how do you get someone to act against their interests? It's easy. It's very easy. All right? 
as black men, all we all we're told is how bad we are. Mm. We're told how terrible we are. Mm. And shout out to my man Hassani in the chat because I, I really want him to hear this. We're told how terrible, how what, what kind of terrible human beings, terrible monsters we are. Mm. So the, the 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 ones of us, which is the majority, who are good guys do a whole lot to disprove this to disprove it okay and and we sacrifice a lot to disprove this idea that we're monsters you understand what i'm saying mm -hmm. it's, it's 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 like a reverse psychology is you know you're about it, 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 again it, it points right back to my abused woman theory right the dv theory like where you you tell somebody how terrible they are Mm -hmm. and they go overboard to prove you wrong and to prove the world wrong well we you can't you can't, i'm i'm sorry go ahead no go ahead you you can't you can't you know if you got somebody that is forever get, i mean you know and I, i'll be talking about this dion said this shit on saturday understand like you know you 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 give and you give and you give and it's never enough it's never enough and you keep telling that person it's not enough and you keep making them feel like they're inadequately good right to the point where any self-interest and doc you, you you've discussed this before any self-interest feels feels like it's selfishness yeah is is shame is a powerful thing with us it's a powerful thing and especially from the same people who raised us who are our authority figures and you know again this yeah. the, the, if you're a real man you do and that's always followed by something that is in service to well, women we, but, but we've had it more direct than that i mean in our community there is an idea and there has been for decades now of what it means to be a good black man mm -hmm. all have all heard it we've all had the social right. pressure around being a good black man and much of the time it really doesn't have anything to do with benefits benefiting you it's or other or other men to others mm -hmm. yeah, or right. other men absolutely it's very much about your service to others most particularly women and children uh and and usually not your children so there's some very mm -hmm. distinct ideas that are associated with this that and this goes back to what you were talking about earlier marcus that we were socialized from childhood to accept you know what i mean there was a there was mm -hmm. a point in time and i've said this repeatedly where even as a young child just over 10 years old i pretty much assumed that the first time I ever got married, I would have stepchildren. I'm not mm. saying that that's bad. That's bad or Charles, you got, yeah, you got feedback. feedback Charles. Charles. About to, um, I'm gonna leave it on. I'm gonna leave it on. I was I'm about to mute you. I gotta mute you, man, until we finish. Uh, to unless you can, you know, fix it. But here's the thing. So, um, in that, I assumed I would have stepchildren. It never crossed my mind that there would be a movement of men to say, you know what, we don't want to be stepfathers. Right. I never, it, the, the thought never crossed my mind. And again, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I'm not denouncing men who've done that. I'm not criticizing mm -hmm. it. All I'm saying is it never crossed my mind that I could choose not to because <laughs> I've been socialized around this idea that being a good man, one aspect of it was being a stepfather. You know what I mean? To add to the, to, we, to add to, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. Hold on. Mm -hmm. We can talk about a hundred different other aspects of that good man narrative. Right. There's so many. But that's just one. And, and and going to what Marcus is saying, it never crossed my mind that I could think otherwise. I was so deeply programmed 
that I was just doing what I was told a good man was supposed to do. Go ahead, Mr. Well, you know, well, you know, just to add to what you're real quick, because it's gonna take me like ten seconds. Just to add to what. Hold on, hold on, right fast. Hold on, right fast. Let me let me speak. Yeah. You know, the, the other part of the problem is the social, the social, the social ostracizing, right, that black men get is not just coming from black women, right? So specifically, you know, you can look at like, so, so today um, I was on, I was on TMZ today, right? They, they asked me to do a little, cause they got a little uh, viewer's choice, uh, you know, and they invite people to talk or whatever. So that that might come on tomorrow anyways uh, uh uh on TMZ live but essentially right right before uh, well what i listened to right i think it was a previous show right essentially they were saying that Kanye West does not deserve to see his to see his his children right uh because of the fact that he has some kind of uh you know problem with i think i think some somebody got their mic off uh you know, it's giving a lot of feedback, but but um, let's have everybody mute unless you're talking. Let's do that for the time being. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. So essentially, what they said, right? This was like four or five guys, right? These four or five guys, the guy with the dreads that's on TMZ, the white, the white guy, the lawyer, he wasn't there. But essentially, what they said, they said, because of his the things that he he's been saying in public, they mm. said that he does not deserve to see his children. And they were trying to they would they were saying this why does kim k allow him to see his children because wow. of the things that he said because he because he uh they did a, they did part of the story is that he went to his daughter's birthday you know because i think they have like maybe 50 50 or you know they, he has visitation right and they were essentially saying that she should deny this man visitation because of the because of the um the the problems that he's been having in the media with you know with you know with when we all know what what that what that what that was essentially and so you know and it was it was it, i mean it was mind boggling to me to hear this to hear man after man after man saying kim k should not allow him to see his children even though he has court uh ordered visitation and it, it was right. it was just i mean it was just making me sick you know i started like man i don't even know you know this was right before i went on like I don't even know if I can go on after after this after this madness, you know. But you know, to to what Ian said, so that's where I was gonna go too. So, to be a good man, particularly a good black man, is to sanction other men and for for women, right? But to, and and that's your form of protection is to sanction other men, is to chastise other men, right? For for women. Right. So like and, and yeah, so of course that that's what that's what you're supposed to do as a man to be a good man is to tell other men how, how much they're lacking. Right. Uh, particularly uh, for black men. Right. So, of course, these men are saying extra stuff. Kim Kim Kardashian is not even saying that. Right. But they're saying that that's what she should be on. Right. So <laughs> virtue virtue signaling, even when the other people aren't aren't even asking for you to do it is that's the that's the, the definition of a good man. That's what symbolizes a good man. Right. That. Uh, yeah. Well, I want to say, go was, uh, okay, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. I'll, 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 make it very, I'll make it brief. I think uh, one thing that's an integral right now is there needs to be a, a campaign. And I think maybe what's happening with, with the with the Manosphere, I hope this is what's happening, is that there's a resurgence of black male presence just, just physically 
Mm. I'm, I'm telling you right now, gentlemen, I, I, I don't want to go into so much personal stuff. I have some friends that are going through some issues with child support. And right, right. Just, to, just to be an outside looking at that, it's crazy. Everything is being said. You can't see your kids. The woman controls everything. You're the bad guy. The, the new guy that's in the life could hit your kids, do something crazy. You don't have a say. So it's crazy. So, but my, my main thing is I'm seeing, even if it's anecdotally, when women are left to their own devices to raise a family, it is chaotic. The, 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 mm -hmm. the, the, the daughter, within a, time, within a year's time, if she's of a certain age where the, the man is forced out, that daughter becomes pregnant. The the, the, the the that father may be probably is non-existent like you start to see this pattern and you talked about the uh about this dr johnson this kind of franchising of of matriarchal structures in 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 some of or many black households mm. that has to stop and and i think you know we're becoming so passive where we're not even physically there like when i'm when i see that there's just no man around and yet these children are here, young children, a few months to a few years old, multiple kids. No guy is in sight. Yeah. When that what like there's a problem with that. And we become it's become so normalized that that normalization has to be addressed just on a just on a visceral level. So uh, I, I will say that if we don't get that, get that a handle on that, we're going to be complaining about this for the next two or three decades. We yeah. might even be it may even be too late. I don't know. But this is the this is what the black family is perceived of, perceived as as being just the the mother and her kids. The father it might have been, been has been a divine birth at this point. <laughs> I, I do want to add to what you're saying. It's funny he it, said that. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. It's, go not, ahead. it's not just uh it's 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 not just anecdotal. If you look at uh, the fragile family studies, they, they they have a survey from 1998 to 2000, and several fragile family studies since then, and reviews of I mean the whole term fragile family pretty much refers to single mother households. So, and uh, the data basically shows that they children who grow up in single mother households and cohabitating families fare far worse than children born into married couple households or yeah. with the father in the home. So it you know the anecdotal evidence is is. Uh, bolstered by, uh, or rather, is a case you could use it as a case study of what is is actually happening, and this is recognized by uh, federal institutions, by yeah. national institutions, state. Everybody, I mean, to be honest, everybody knows. Well, the and, second, and that's what's frustrating about it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, and the second best thing to you know the father and mother in the home is the father. You know, even if you have a yeah. single father, the outcomes for the kids are far better. You know, in terms of that. You know. Indeed. So, I just wanted to uh, I just wanted to say this, Doc. Always a pleasure. I'll be on my panel later on tonight. Always, you know, black men, don't let anybody punk you out of your kids. And I'll stay vigilant. And the best reversal is to never get in a situation to hold in the first place. Woo! Well, before you go, Woo! tell them tell them what time and tell them how to find your channel. Um. Come to the office of the goddamn Lost Channel, Charles Faulkner Jr. I'll put the link in the chat. And oh, come on, it's it's classy. <laughs> I love it. And it's you know Charles Faulkner Jr. And I'll be going on around about ten thirty-five. Ten thirty-five. Is that that uh, East Coast time? Eastern. Yeah. Eastern. All right, man. Thanks for coming. Thank Woo! All right, man. Woo! He needs the axe.
right. Uh, yeah, I love every time he says "officer of the goddamn love." <laughs> we we're gonna we're gonna go into we're gonna go into closing thoughts, and I think Marcus has something up, uh, but I want him to uh, to go uh, probably go last uh, as we close this out. Uh, so I'm gonna start with uh, Afro Nerd and work my way backward. Uh, any closing thoughts about any of this? Well, uh, look, I, I I try to be as hopeful as possible. You know, I'm not really uh, into nihilism like that. So um, I do think that what we saw with Stacey Abrams, mm. um, that the argument that black males are just going along to get along, that we're mm. starting to see a little bit of a, of a light coming out of that. So I guess my closing remarks is we just we just have to keep on pushing. Rome wasn't built in a day. Right. And I think that when you start to see some 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 of some of your bullet points about black male agency specifically without it being interpreted as misogyny. No, these are just separate things that right. black men need to address. I think I think we're starting to see some leeway. So I'm not I'm not really believe a believer that all is lost. So I think just keep your heads up, gentlemen. And I think we might be on to something. Yeah, I think we need to mobilize. And I think the, these discussions are the starting point, but they can't be the end point. So I agree with you. And I think there's there's a lot we can do. We just have to figure out what we have the capacity for and, and make it happen. You know, so um, I appreciate you coming through, man. As uh, always, tell, man. People, tell people how to find your show and when. Well, I tell you, uh, I just left my platform. So I'm trying to search out for a new platform. I'm going to be back on YouTube probably, but I'll okay. keep it. I'll let you know when we get to go to our new platform. Okay. All right, man. Appreciate Thank you. It. Appreciate it. Um, good brother Ian, give us some of your closing thoughts about this stuff, man. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, man. Like I said, man, I was I was on a TMG today. It was just a little, uh, you know, one minute spot. They were talking about Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry. They got an award for fighting racism. You know, the same guy who, uh, you know, for for fun, uh, you know, had a swastika. Um, you know, a Nazi uniform on and whatnot. You know, they they got an award for their fight against racism, right? Mm. At this gala, but 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 even to the point of Stacey Abrams, right? Um, you know, for this holiday, you know, I was talking to Big Tigger, right? So uh, Big Tigger is uh, dating somebody in my in my family, and they were they were over the house, right? And I was making I was making fun of them, talking about uh, Stacey Abrams, uh, you know, losing the um, uh, you know, I said, I basically said he didn't do enough campaigning for, her. you know what I'm saying? And and he realized, he said, well, essentially he said the reason they lost is because the white folks in the, in the outskirts, right. You know, didn't want them, but he didn't, he didn't really, uh, wasn't able to identify, you know, that, that black men, you know, because he did the show with her. He did the little show, um, um, you know, with her, where, uh, she was, when she was campaigning, she met with him and another guy. So essentially, he wasn't he wasn't really able to put together that black men really don't like her, right? You know, mm -hmm. and we you know we were talking about Herschel Walker and and uh, and Warnock. You know, I didn't I didn't tell him I didn't tell him who I voted for, but I I I voted I don't even I don't I'm not even thinking Herschel is a real candidate, but I voted for Herschel because again, what I said before is that the the social ostracizing right that black men get right it's so it's so prevalent even among men i wouldn't want to put him in office because i understand the programming right that he's going to set in motion in a lot of cases 
he's going to be more of a of a as uh, Mark said his friend more of a male feminist than some of the feminists sometimes. So you know so you know I had to you know I I had to, I had to joke with him about that. You know I really couldn't say that I voted for uh, for Herschel. You know because he was going in on him, but essentially that's a big part of the problem is that we have a lot of black men in particular right who are supporting this uh this this uh you know this misandry and so on and so forth you know when i brought up when we were talking about megan markle right you had um uh, al sharpton saying you know megan markle marrying um harry was the was a signal to the end of white supremacy so you know a lot of these black men they put a lot of stock and what mm. black women are doing and, and they're not willing and, and they're willing to sacrifice other black men to support them in in, mm. the, in their misandry essentially and so you know I'll, I'll just leave off with that all right all right appreciate you coming through man all right brothers all right appreciate you i'll let you all right go ahead Adam. Hey, ian. my brother ian good to hear from you man yeah, yeah. Where where you been at, man? Yeah, man. No, they 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 knock they knock me off. Um, they knock me off to, uh, uh, IG. They knock me off uh, Facebook. Wow. Because because of a post I made, and I'm I, I really you know I'm really I'm really thinking about not even going back on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, yeah, cause... listen, Facebook has had me. They sent a note to me. I've been shadow banned for about. Almost, they said nine months is when they, is when they did it. So they 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 don't like me. So I'm over at Twitter a lot now because you know you got mm. you got the you you got the the uh, the, the misogynist over there. So I'm I'm with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well. Let me let me say this. There there was an APB put out on you earlier today. Okay, uh, my man Adam. Me. Yeah, my man Adam hit me up. He's like, uh, uh, where's Ian? I'm like, oh, that's a good question. And we searched for you, and we couldn't find you. And yeah, man, it was A B A, A All Points Bulletin. You know, I started hitting people up. So okay. it's funny that you showed up on here. Okay. Like, oh, okay, all right. No <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so, I appreciate. Right, let's, uh, oh, go ahead, Ian. What, what were you saying? No, no, I, I was saying I appreciate you guys. Essentially, you know, what I'm saying that's that's how I got the little they hit the TMZ hit me on uh, on Twitter. And ask me, so you know, I've been over there a lot, you know what I'm saying, getting in some spaces, you know what I'm saying, and uh, you know, trying to make sure the black masculinism is 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 represented on on Twitter like that, you know what I'm saying. So, you know, that's that's where I've been, you know what I'm saying. I ain't even been on I ain't been on um what do you call that, the clubhouse, man. I just really been on Twitter like that, man. I was really upset that they they knocked me off Facebook and, and IG. So, you know, you know, hey, it is what it is. All right, let's go ahead and, and let Adam get uh, his closing thoughts. I'm gonna holler at you, Ian. I'm a. Uh, All I'm right, bro. Hear from you guys. Appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Right. Likewise, bro. Peace, peace. peace. All right, I'm gonna be very quick and succinct. Uh, you know, earlier we were talking about the good back man. The only thing I wanted to add to that, which I thought was an interesting aspect of it, is that you're only allowed to be a good black man to the extent that they want you to, right? And that you can't say, "Hey, you know what?" Let's start allocating our resources this way because this is going to be better. No, no, no. You can't be a good black man and a leader. The good black man is a subject, right? And so I thought that was interesting. But to the exact point of paying more attention when black men check out, you know, we when we look at this space 
often is, is said that, you know, I mean, this space has actually grown several times in, in magnitude uh, in, in as far as population is concerned and viewership since, you know, just two years ago, right? Mm. But it was often referred to as a small sector. But see, we are the trend. We are the beginning of the trend. So mm. I, I like how that, that the title is because it's reminiscent of the Black masculinist turn. Um, and it, it speaks exactly to what people should be paying attention to, right? Yeah. If you're a researcher, if you're a policymaker, or if, you know, wh whatever you're, you're doing, if it concerns Black men, you need to be paying attention to when these brothers check out, right? When the, because when we look at, for example, Mark is going to speak a lot about Deion Sanders, like he said on Saturday, so not going to mention all that here. But I think it was interesting how much he was giving and no one paid attention. In fact, uh, I was speaking to a, a, a gentleman. He's got he's he's master social worker doing all types of great work, helping helping brothers and everything. And he said, you know, when I was in school, he got into school in the 70s. He said, I got in on a, a sports scholarship and I didn't have any classes. They didn't give me any classes. It was an athletic scholarship. I was just there to play ball and we didn't get paid. But he said, but the, the business students, they all got 200 grand just to work over a summer and all of them were female. Right. So they didn't nobody complained when all the female uh, uh, students or business majors, they were getting 200 grand just to work the summer. But then when the male players started getting paid for mm. their athletics, now all of a sudden they, they thought it wasn't fair. All of a sudden it was a problem, you know. And so I think it's, it's, it's interesting that no one really pays attention when black men are not uh, uh, doing well. And then when they finally leave for better or if they make a, a you know, a, a, an unfortunate decision, as is the case of the, the gentleman early, he wasn't black, but he still made that a, an unfortunate decision. You know, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden people want to come through. And so now's the time to pay attention. If you want to be on the right side of the trend, you know, if you want to understand black men, if you really want to see positive change. Thank you, brother, so much. Have a good night. You as well, man. Good to have you up here, man. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, let Marcus kind of give us some closing thoughts. What's good with you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So <clears throat> uh, real quick before I the first I'm going to start uh, early. I, I, I forget whether it was Z or Afroner mentioned something about uh, Mary and the Immaculate Conception, something that something to that effect. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, go, go ahead and hit that. uh that presentation so now what they're saying is the virgin mary did not give consent oh, hell. <laughs> they about to cancel god he about to be canceled oh my goodness god, <laughs> god didn't get consent god god did not she did not give god consent oh my goodness Here do you, you see do you see how far do you see how far we going with this <laughs> yes, sir. I'm about to cancel God. <laughs> about to cancel God, bro. You know what I'm saying? So they don't have no problem canceling your black ass boy. They married did not give consent. So when he mentioned that, this is the first thing that came to my mind, you know. A Minnesota professor suggested in a series of tweets that the Virgin Mary did not consent to the conception of Jesus Christ and suggested that God may have acted in a predatory manner. In a predatory, I'm doing my best Gigi impression. In a predatory manner, man. 
You got to get the laugh in there, though. <laughs> Bro, a predatory manner. <laughs> she did not consent to be impregnated by God. The virgin birth story is about an all-knowing, all-powerful deity impregnating a human teen. <laughs> that is wrong. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and... Tell people where to find you and when, man. Keep it wanted, baby. Saturday Night Live every week. We are <laughs> uncut, off the rails, disrespectful, eloquently petty, articulate, a holery, all of that. You know what I'm saying? But so this is this is this is where what I'm gonna say, man. You know, I got, I gotta, I, 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 I only, I can't even tell you what percent. Uh, you know, my inner circle mm. of guys who. They, they know that, you know, they tell me, oh, you're King Receipts, you're King Research, this, that, and the other. I pull up all this stuff. I'm telling them, you know, bringing this all down. Understand, I'm from New York, the bluest of the blue states. Okay. Okay? These are guys who you tell them all these facts that we speak about here. Mm-hmm. You know, about, you know, what, what, the, what, the, what the culture and the community is losing. But they cannot, for, 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 for nothing see women without the things that they have gotten to to trade those things off they don't want the outcomes right Mm -hmm. but they don't want to change the 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 the, the ideology the method the process they don't want to change it so they so for some reason they want to reconcile the two together where you know we give you know women all this freedom all this you know you know autonomy but we still get the intact community and family mm. right mm. you know it's, it's it's like i said earlier like you know the the you know it's a religion yeah. it's a religion it's, it's it's a it's a belief that they have it's a cognitive bias it's a cognitive distance they've been trained from 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 young the other part that i want to say is this Earlier, we was talking about, you know, uh, men being shamed to do this, do that. The thing is, in order for this society to work, they can't let us walk away. Mm. Like All of this stuff we're talking online, all of, I, I mean, I'm surprised that mm. we've been able to last this long on here. I mean, you know, <laughs> real talk. Like, I, you know, I, 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 I've been around the Manosphere since the beginning, and I remember the initial flagging and, and, and blocking everybody off. I yeah. remember sergeant willie p and all them guys got flagged off the platform mm. okay flagged off the platform so a lot of people think like 2015 is the beginning of the manosphere because mm. you know it's like the dinosaurs man that you know everybody went extinct everybody died right mm. you know the thing the thing is again like the info that that we're putting out here is you know is that that's why you got the andrew taste in this one Again, you can't tell these guys what we're telling them because they can't let us walk. In order for this thing to function, we are the, the blood, the sweat, the grease, the nuts and the bolts of society. See, women can do this, they can do that, but our situation remains rigid because if it changes, it all falls apart. Mm-hmm. Women cannot full they cannot fill our shoes in that regard. They just cannot. Mm. They just cannot, all right? And sound, whatever sounds sexist or not, whatever. They can't. 
they can't do it mm. all right so you know um i forget who it was it was z or it, maybe it was uh afro or somebody said you know as far as the women they, you know he said what are you still fighting for you you got everything that you <laughs> fought for you won you got every you got all the money you got your sexual autonomy you, you got you could do it whatever you want mm. right so you you won yay you won right you're still mad they still mad yeah and they're not thrilled with the repercussions of that what what they've gotten did not work out the way they wanted to right because Even the stats around happiness show you right. that Go ahead. You know, because it doesn't come for free. Nope. You know what I'm saying? It, it 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 doesn't come for free, man. You know they got they they got everything they fought for, and then it's like, wait, hold up, right. wait a second, wait a minute. A this cost. ain't yeah. right. This ain't this ain't what I thought it was. You know what I'm saying? You know. Nope. There was another point I wanted to make, but it's escaping me right now, so I may have to hold on to it. But um, but yeah, man. Um, you know. Yeah, tell man. People, it's, tell it's, people where to find you and when. So, keep it one hundred. Just how it's uh, spelled on the screen. Keep it one hundred. I'm on once a week. I might increase that at some point, man. But you know, Saturdays is my night, man. You know, if if you ain't got nothing to do, if you ain't out partying, watching a fight, whatever it is that you do, jump in, man. I, I talk pretty crazy. I talk reckless. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> he <Man. laughs> I yep. say things that I can't say here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. um, but yeah, man, you know, again, like at the end of the day, man, I what I what I want guys to do is like anybody else would do, is withdraw your participation for, from anything that's not working for you, man. You gotta do it. You know, don't be afraid to be called the bad guy. Because you're going to get called the bad guy anyway. Mm. They're going to call you that anyway, man. True. Very true. You know? Yeah, man. So, you know, sacrificing yourself to gain your humanity, it doesn't work. You're trying to win for losing. It's not going to work, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, I, I know as soon as I get off of here, man, I'm going to remember what I wanted to say, man. I'm going to throw a glass at the wall mad. But but that's that's the benefit of having the channel, you know. So now right. people come get you because I remember when Marcus, <laughs> Marcus would come through and drop a bomb but didn't have a channel yet. So that's all right. 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 But I appreciate you coming through, man. And y'all check him out. What time on Saturday? Uh, So it's uh 9 p.m. Eastern. Okay. You know, most of my people are watching on the East Coast. So it's 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. on the West Coast. And if you're somewhere in the middle of the country, then do the time zone right there. And, you know, or or you can subscribe and get the notification. And it'll tell you when to come there through. You, you know what I'm saying? Tro tro trolls are welcome, too. Come on, trolls. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he, he wants the smoke. He wants all of it. So. Y'all check out uh, Keep It 100's channel. Appreciate you coming through, man. No doubt, man. All right, Peace man. out. Peace. Good looking. Peace. <laughs> man, this, this is ridiculous. Anyway, I want to finish just with a reminder because sometimes, especially at this time of year, sometimes we don't know what kind of space people are in even when they're smiling right in front of you. And most particularly based on uh, some of the stuff we discussed tonight, I want to make, make sure that if you are at all in any space 
where you are thinking of hurting yourself or worse, please reach out to National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. At the very least, reach out to someone that affirms your humanity and, uh, you know, let them know where you are. You know what I mean? Let them know what, what you're dealing with, what's going on with you. And do not let this season convince you that this is all life will be because it can do that. I mean, for the most part, there's some people that have a lot of family, have a lot of connections. This is a season for rejoicing. But when you find yourself isolated, there are times when that darkness and that silence can really get to you. And I want you to know that there are those of us that uh, are here to affirm that life does not stay that way. So don't let it convince you that it does. Reach out. You know what I mean? So um, I want you to stay. We need you. Um, I want you to continue living life. And I definitely want you to get to the point where you don't, you don't stand in isolation and really, you know, believe that there's nothing left. That's bullshit. As the Christians used to say, or the Christians, I remember Christians used to say when I was a kid, the devil is a lie. That's it. So, you know, hold on. I'm saying Uh, other than that, I appreciate y'all joining me tonight. I'm interested to hear your thoughts about things we covered. Uh, Make sure you put them in the uh, the comment section. Let's keep the conversation going. I wish you guys a good evening. Uh, I will try to broadcast more. I'm just I'm at the end of the semester. So finals is next week. I'm grading stuff. I will be grading for probably the next two weeks. Um, And I'm a little exhausted as far as that. But, you know, I'm still on YouTube. I'm still over here kicking. Keep an eye out for me. And when I get the content back up to where I'd like it to be, hopefully you're still here because I don't know how shadow banned I am on YouTube, um, but we're going to keep it going. So anyway, that being said, uh, appreciate the support. I'll let y'all later. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.